Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Queen Elizabeth II died on 8th of September 2022 at Balmoral Castle. This was a very sad time for the country and we're still going through various emotions in the aftermath of her death. At Really Below Seven, we wanted to commemorate Her Majesty with a celebration of all things linking her with Bond. After all, she has been his boss for over 60 years. The Queen and Bond are undoubtedly two of the biggest ever British institutions, and we want to celebrate them in this special tribute episode. You received an extraordinary honour that also has got sort of a meta quality to it, oh, yeah. is that the Queen... Uh, the actual queen, yes. uh, yours, um, <laughs> not, not Beyonce, yeah. uh, <laughs> awarded you, let me see if I've got this right, the yeah. Order of St. Michael and St. George. CMG. CMG. Was that Commander of Michael and George? Is that what the C stands for? No, St. No, Michael, Michael, St. George. What's the C for, the C? Um, companion. Companion. Mm. Oh, companion of Michael and George. Mm. That sounds nice. Nick. Um, <laughs> it's the same... Order that James Penny Bond fictionally has. <laughs> no. But it's, it's the same honor that uh, yes, that's James right. Bond has. Uh, in, in the stories, yeah, he gets a CMG and then is awarded, or they offer him KCMG, which is a knighthood after that, but yes. he uh, rejects it. He rejects the knighthood? Yep. He rejects All right. it, yeah. Are you offered the knighthood? Well, obviously not now. <laughs> um, <laughs> who knows? God, I mean, what's this, so amazing about it? I mean, it's incredible, but it's, I kind of feel that there's a sort of sense of humour about giving it to me. And we already know that you'd met the Queen. You, yes. You'd hung out with Her Majesty, um, no, if right. for no other reason than for this really funny bit that y'all did for mm. the 2012 Olympics yeah. in London, where uh, <laughs> she halo-jumped yeah. into the stadium. She did. And... 
And I understand that you may not be able to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's she like in private? Is uh, she very fun? funny. Really? Very funny. Wants to crack a joke and cracked a joke about me. Um, Can you share with the joke? Yeah. She, she, just, she said, we were, ha we're having our photographs taken, and she just went, oh, no, he's the one that doesn't smile. I'm Tom Pickup, and we're here to remember and celebrate the glorious reign of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II through the eyes of James Bond. And the two of them have had an everlasting relationship from the start of the Ian Fleming books right through to all the films up until No Time to Die. And it's a very emotional time for everyone. Right from the start, we'll say all of us here are real big fans of the Queen, so it's going to be a positive episode in that sense. We may have different views on the monarchy, but we won't be debating that tonight. We're looking forward to chatting about the Queen and Bond. Now, you can find our podcast at various places. You can listen in on iTunes and Spotify. And we have our Pod Dojo network as well, where we've got sister podcasts, such as Fury Consideration with Rob, who's one of the guests tonight, who look at films that perhaps are a little underappreciated and unloved. We also have The Tapes, which is from another of our contributors, Chris Goldie, which is about the uncanny, the world of the mysterious and supernatural. And that's a really good one as well. We had another one from Rob, the Blood Brothers podcast from Crime Writers. And honestly, some of the guests they've had and some of the upcoming guests, David Kep, the screenwriter of Jurassic Park and loads of Spielberg films. The other big one, of course, and he's here as well tonight, is John Orty's wonderful Behind the Stunts podcast, which delves into the, the secrets behind how they do the stunts. That's really fascinating. And it's got a YouTube channel. So please look out for all those. We are also on social media. So I'm sure when this is released, we'll be having little chats about the, the different themes of the Queen throughout Bond. I nearly said throughout Bond's reign. But it's uh, Bond, <laughs> Bond's reign. <laughs> kind well, of fitting. 25 years. Back, really, don't they? So much. And a special shout out tonight to a chap called Vinnie Harris. And he's just been so positive. And he's a top guy, so give him a follow and give him some support because he's a top guy. Right, I'll introduce our guests. I've, I've already alluded to some of them. So we have two of my brothers. We'll get we'll get them over with first. We've got Matt <laughs> and uh, Harry. It's quite unusual for all three of us to be together on on one. And yeah, yeah, it's great to be yeah, here. Great, super great to be with with everyone here tonight. Yeah. Well, those other people are another of our contingent, Rob. Great to be with you again, Rob. Oh, likewise. Yeah, it's been way too long. I mean, what, yeah. what you guys have been doing with the Bond on the big screen stuff has been incre absolutely incredible. And I've seen podcasts get awards for far less, frankly. So <laughs> there should be some nomination for what work you guys have put into that. It's You're part of it, Rob. Dear me. Well, no, but I, I, I've not been able I've managed to make two. <laughs> who, who has three agree, kids, Rob? honestly? Who if has three agree, kids? Rob? Have I? Yeah, I think you went to... Honor Majesties with me and Sam, didn't you? I did, yeah. Oh, Let, Let Die and View to a Kill, yeah. And View to a Kill, yeah. That's pretty good. Well, we can just Four. leave it there. Yeah. What's what? trio? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do anything else. <laughs> but no, it's so good to see you guys now. And also, extremely good to be in, a, in the extended company that we're in because I haven't managed to spend a great deal of time with these three people despite, you know, having our um, paths having crossed before. So I'm extremely excited about that. Absolutely, Rob. We've got three more guests here who are part of the Really 007 pod wider family. Now, two of them have been on a few episodes before, but before we get to them, we have a new person on board with Kieran Richard-Brown. Kieran, great great, <laughs> great to have you on. But we feel like, to be honest, you've been on about 20 episodes now because you've 
reported your thoughts on most of the Bond films at the cinema. Yeah, several episodes, not everyone, but it feels like 200,000 potentially. <laughs> and, uh, especially when I talk about Dear George and how uh... fond affection I have for that man and that film. Um, I'm sure that's something upon which we will touch tonight in great detail. Yeah, of course it is. And it's it's a big year and it's just talked about so much by Bond fans. And I, I don't mind that. I think there's still more to to mine out of the themes of that film. One of the guys you've been watching these films at cinema with is, of course, John Orty. So John is with us too. Good evening. Good evening, folks. How are you doing? This is very interesting because not only do I get to see Kieran again, which is very nice, and normally he's trapped in the back seat of a car, <laughs> in the park outside of an Odeon when we've gone to uh, other cinemas are available of course uh, often he's trapped in the back of a car and having issues with a booster seat or that, that sort of thing and trying to get him out but also I think this is the first <laughs> I think this is the first time that we've all um, uh, or uh, we've had members of, of the Pod Dojo network in the same place at the same time or on oh. the same chat at the same time so this is rather exciting Mm, yeah. So uh, yeah, looking forward to this. It's been a tricky period, but I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll do our best to uh, to to get get through it. Absolutely, John. Yeah, of course we will. And you mentioned great podcasts, and on our final guest to introduce is the wonderful David Labrigelis from, of course, License to Queer. We've had many collaborations. I think the last one was the amazing interview in Guts Otto, which was. <laughs> One of the I promise not to embarrass is. anyone by by <laughs> announcing I fancy them yeah. in the middle of, in the middle of recording. We all unlike, do, really. unlike with the Gotzotto interview, it had to be said, David, and yeah. thank you for that. But <laughs> I, th- I well, thought I was speaking for everyone. I mean, yeah, someone had absolutely. someone had to address the elephant in the room. Yeah, we've all been moved, haven't we? Of the last week or so, the last two weeks mm. since Her Majesty died, and we've just had the state funeral, so we're all. Just getting back to normal, I suppose, this week. And like I said, we we just want we just want to have a nice discussion tonight about what she means to Bond fans. And Bond has only ever served Queen Elizabeth II. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Is it this whole entire the t- entire time he's existed as a character on the book, on the page, on the screen, even in video games? You know, it's <laughs> the, the entire <laughs> world revolves around him following Her Majesty. One of the references I, I thought originally was. In Thunderball, you know, one I with Volpe, isn't there? Doesn't he say King and Country? Yeah, he does. I, yeah. I, I was nerdy enough to check that when I was doing my little yeah. piece. Um, and mm. I was like, what? I, I couldn't quite process that. No. <laughs> I think, I'm assuming because it was it was a reference back from the First World War and, and the you know, wow. g- going over going over the top and that sort of thing, and everything you do, you do for King and Country. And there was a ma- you remember Black Adder, of course, the last series of Black Adder. There yeah. was a magazine called King and Country, yeah. which was right. to uh, raise morale in the trenches and all that sort of bits and pieces. So I dare say that's probably where he's mm. got that from. You know, what I do, I do for King and Country. Vanity has its dangers. Vanity, Mr. Bond. Something you know so much about. My dear girl, don't flatter yourself. What I did this evening was for king and country. You don't think it gave me any pleasure, do you? But of course, I forgot your ego, Mr. Bond. James Bond, who only has to make love to a woman and she starts to hear heavenly choir singing. She repents and immediately returns to the side of right and virtue. Not this one. It's probably the only reference to the king in the whole thing. I don't remember anything else unless mm. you do. No, and I, I did wonder whether it was kind of supposed to 
trying to paint Bond as a bit of a misogynist that he didn't recognise the Queen. Yeah. I, I don't know, but it just seems a bit weird because Fleming references the Queen from Moonraker onwards in pretty much every novel. Mm. So it was well established by then. So I, I don't know why 10 years later, more than 10 years later when they're making Thunderball, that they would use the King line. It just didn't seem to make mm. much sense to me. Because when was the first novel written? Was it was it mid 50? 53. Yeah, 53 is when it's published, yeah. Well, that's amazing in itself, isn't it? I mean, that's the year after the Queen started her reign, isn't it? That's right. Her reign began on the 6th of February, 1952, and then Casino Royale was published uh, within two months of that, so just over two months before. Yeah, so uh, Casino Royale was published... uh, Now, have I got 52 and 53 mixed up, John? She went to Kenya in 52 and then came back... As, oh, she went as Princess Elizabeth and came back as Queen in 52. The country financially wasn't in the best state, not a million miles away from what it is now, to be fair with you. And on the strength of that, they held the coronation for another year into yeah, 53, that and that's when that happened. So, no, you're quite right. If you think about it, so Bond, the character, is 70 years old now, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then, and of course, the Jubilee, we just had the Platinum Jubilee. If you remember, right, I think it might have been on the final Sunday, we had a procession of Bond cars yeah. <laughs> various actors from the films in them mm. the two are linked you know throughout the whole thing and mm. and now we've got bond's 60th anniversary it's all it's very emotional isn't it and it's so there's so much going mm. on and and you could argue that uh, what two big bigger characters are there in britain that people would know around absolutely yeah. yeah but yeah. also it just highlights the sheer longevity of the queen and her reign because we know she's been around for all of our lifetimes mm. but then when you look back through the history books she, the people she's met and the things yeah. that she's witnessed is absolutely unprecedented her first prime minister was winston churchill for crying yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just yeah for me i mean there's never been anyone quite like her i think she was a remarkable woman and that sadly we'll never see anyone quite like that again no it's it's uh, very true i mean obviously she thought a great deal of churchill on the basis that she she was able to accept and grant a state funeral mm. for for uh, for churchill uh, based yeah. on his time served uh, uh, right the way through the war and and as her first prime minister but i also think that um there are many individuals up and down the country, particularly of a certain age, and my father is one of them, who mm. uh, has had like two women in his life, his wife, and then the Queen, always those mm. two constants the whole yeah. time. So uh, he's 88 this year. I was with him when Hugh Edwards made that announcement on, on the news, and it hit him like a freight train. I mean, absolutely. And he did. And yet he's always been one of those characters that uh, he's in the armed forces. And so uh, is very familiar with pledging allegiance to the Queen, as it was back then when he joined in 1956. And also back in the day when he was taking my mum out and they were courting, as it was referred to then, they'd go to the pictures. And at the end of the pictures, they play the national anthem, which everybody would stand for, you know. So all of those sort of things, they resonate. And to the mm-hmm. point where he was completely gobsmacked by it. And you can understand it. And you see why well, the, the footage that we've seen over the last 10 days of, of these people, of these guys and girls of, of, you know, 70s and 80s, who are absolutely besides themselves with grief, like losing, as that phrase keeps going, like losing a family member. So mm-hmm. the longevity and all of that sort of stuff, it's, uh, it's, it really does touch home. On the absolutely. topic of longevity there, that this is, you just mentioned two people there, John, like, <laughs> so the Queen's first Prime Minister was 
Winston Churchill. If you think, like, in my head, I can't put Winston Churchill and James Bond together. They're they're from totally different mm. eras and generations. Mm. No matter, you know, despite there not being that many years between them. But the Queen is a link between those generations, and she's yeah. a link between so many generations going forward. Yep. She, like you were saying mm. about the, the, the topic of being a constant, she's a constant throughout. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah, a 70-year reign mm. is absolutely astonishing isn't it really yeah. and through pop culture but also i was going to say <laughs> the geopolitical landscape <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know it's it's astonishing it's absolutely astonishing i know this is sort of the whole point but if you if you were to speak to someone from outside of great britain and say i, I don't know like what are things that you think of as being quintessentially british or that are not even necessarily two people or you know fictional but i imagine so many people would say or would have said but probably would say the Queen and James Bond. And they are, you know, things that have transcended all those, you know, like we just said, prime ministers and generations and have been constants in in our lives and in, you know, other people much older than us in their lives too. And so, you know, I know we'll come on to it, but the Olympics and things like that, when you think of what it is to be British, then, you know, James Bond, the Queen... That it's yeah. just it's just so intrinsically linked. As far as I'm concerned, anyway, maybe a lot as a lot of people have. She's never felt anything but British, you know. Even yeah. though the, the family themselves are from German heritage, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and German and Greek heritage in particular, with the mm. with the uh, with the Windsors as the name became. Mm. So on the strength of that, that doesn't really it hasn't made a massive difference at all, mm. you know. So I, I think that there are um, there are ways in which that's. Um, resonated right the way through that and it's sort of intertwined its way into into british culture yeah another thing she's got in common with james bond then you know who's scottish and swiss like most british things not yeah. that british, not that british really. <laughs> <laughs> remotely far enough yeah. i mean m- my feelings about her and i've i've never put myself in a monarchist box or an anti-monarchist box i've just kind of i'm i'm seeing her as a, another human being um, someone who I admire, but I think something else she's and she's got a lot in common with Bond, and I know we'll get, we'll get into some of these comparisons. But I think, like with Bond, she's she almost was a time capsule of the time that she was living in, and you can look back and you can see how through Bond you can see how society was changing. And I know there were accusations, particularly around the time that Princess Diana died. I've never actually watched that Stephen Frears film, The Queen. I must get around to it at some point. Yeah, yeah. Helen, Helen Mirren in it. Because yeah, that's about yeah. that period, isn't it? But yeah. she did change with the times. And from what I understand, she was doing quite a lot, even though as a you know, as a constitutional monarch, you can't say an awful lot publicly but she was doing an awful lot behind the scenes to dismantle empire mm-hmm. in the yeah. 1950s and 60s she was throwing her weight behind that not publicly necessarily she was championing course causes particularly feminism in the 1960s i went back and looked at some of her her speeches her christmas speeches where she sometimes you know chooses her words really carefully and you can read quite a lot between the lines and in the 1966 um, speech that she gave there, she doesn't talk about the World Cup, which everyone says. <laughs> she talks about the, the freedoms that women had in that year yeah. and kind of hints yeah. at what would happen the next year with the partial decriminalisation of homosexuality. So she's sort of commenting on social issues obliquely and also reflecting those changes, like I think Bond does. You've you done an article. Come on, you know, you know me, Tom. Any excuse to write <laughs> yeah. an article. I, I know you write one in your head now, David, but... Yeah, there are there are so many links, and you say it is that time capsule. 
I just mm. I just wanted to get what, what what were people doing when you know it's the classic question what were you doing when mm. so and so died because I, I I do know that our good friend Steve Clamp was the one who broke it to some of us because mm. he, he's obviously mm. and he I think he told some of us before it was actually it was like a few seconds wasn't it, it was a, he was he was sixty seconds before, before yeah yeah he, that's incredible went went for the whole thing and that's a massive amount of time. Yeah, uh, to 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 have a confirmation, and um, uh, you know, we're not we're not talking outside of out of class here, but I, I think that's um, that's very interesting as the 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 leading component uh, exponent of, of news was you know delivered it in sixty seconds. Presumably, there's an awful lot going on in that sixty seconds prior to yeah, Hume making that announcement, yeah. um, and obviously down the chain of command, and, and Steve was part way down that went oh hello boys. This has happened. It went wow, and all of a sudden it, it just hit home very quickly. I felt totally privileged privileged that he shared that with us at that point. Um, mm. Totally, totally privileged because I was in. So th- it's it's a Thursday night that we're recording now. Thursday nights are brownie night at, at our uh, in our house. So uh, my seven year old goes to brownies, and I sit okay. while she's got the hour in the in brownies. I sit in the local pub. Of course, and, uh, of course yeah, I'm doing a bit of work and whatever. So I went up to the bar and. Um, as I, I said, pints of Guinness, please. The text from Steve came in and I saw it. And like, obviously, like in my body, it was like, boom. And then the, the bar is L-shaped and there were three guys on the other side of the bar and they all had their phones out watching, you know, the the rolling news stuff. You could just yep. hear the very different, you know, news anchors doing their bit on each of their phones on the bar. And I said, I've just had had word, gents, that, um, yeah, she's gone. It's happened. And they went, oh, we've not heard. We don't know. We we. <laughs> Yeah, and then within within a minute, as you say, John, within sixty seconds, it was like, oh yes, yeah, she has. Oh, she has. Yeah, yeah. It was it was yeah. absolutely mad. And then they all stood up and walked around the pub, and everyone yeah. clinked glasses and said to the Queen, "It was. I've never oh. seen anything like uh, it. it was amazing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely amazing." Were you guys at school then, David and Harry? I'd got straight back from school and started putting up some shelves, <laughs> uh, and um, but obviously she was. I'd had a staff meeting and the, the rumours were coming in, you know, because obviously the, they had all been called mm-hmm. to Balmoral. It was actually a staff meeting and I had it on iPlayer, sneakily on my iPad, just kind of watching what was happening. But got back home and that state had kind of continued with a bit of, you know, n- not much development. And then when I got home, I think my wife and children were kind of in the living room and it was on the news. And But because putting up the shelves involved drilling really loudly, I had to squeeze it in before the children went to bed. So I was doing all the drilling and then... Suddenly, yeah, just my wife came and said she's died, and it was just, just like even though there was, it wasn't a total shock or anything. There were had there had been some rumours circulating on the on the afternoon that you know that she has died already. It still came as like, oh, like you know, just sadness that it it, it really happened because you you'll be able to correct me, but the Queen Mother she got ill, you know, a few times. But kind of didn't all it, you know? It, she pulled yeah. through on a few times. The, the Queen herself has had a few times when, like, obviously she had COVID, and before that, have been times where mm. she's been asked to rest. You just kind of think she'll she'll manage another, yeah. you know, an, another yeah. little while. Mm. But you know, and I think obviously we'll get probably talk about the funeral. But that was when it felt final. When it was announced that she died, it, it, like it, to be fair, that often happens with me when relatives and people die. I don't fully take it in on the spot but I'll, I'll yeah I'll, I'll always remember that moment where were you Kieran? the thing is i was at work actually before it happened and i was aware obviously that she wasn't well um and to be fair 
that it gave me quite some cause for concern. I mean, I don't know if anyone else has seen, but there was that photograph before she met our new prime minister, yeah. and she had that quite bad welt on her on her hand, and it just—I don't know. She she looked frail. She didn't look well, and I mean, she's looked quite elderly for a very long time. Mm. But for me, it just gave me quite a lot of cause for concern. But obviously, I had no comprehension of what was going to happen, what was going to follow. I'd arrived home, and I was literally just getting out of my car, had my phone on me, and then I read it. I couldn't quite believe what I was reading. But wherever we were, whatever we were doing, whether it was something as menial as that, or whether it was, you know, something exhilarating, I think we will always remember what we were doing when we found mm-hmm. out. And it's a yeah. bit like the moon landing, and, you know, sadly, those memories will stay with us probably for the rest mm-hmm. of our lives. And she's someone mm-hmm. who's almost there when big, big, awful stuff does happen. You know, yeah. like the COVID, mm-hmm. while it, you know, it was difficult for the Prime Minister and the government to sort of get a hold of it. It took her to give this amazing message of support to the whole country. It's like, we will get through this. And that it's amazing that, like mm. said, someone who technically doesn't have any power, she doesn't wield, she chooses not to wield it, can just calm the mood of the whole mm. nation. Mm. Yeah. Just, yeah. She is the glue, yeah. I've said this before, she's the glue that is holding everything together where she's that, she's above everyone, isn't she? Absolutely. Not because she thinks she's better than anyone. Absolutely. But she has that position, which he's, she has accepted yeah. as her calling, through God as well, that she is there to be the veil mm. between, yeah. I suppose, looking after mm. the, the, the whole Commonwealth as well. I, I think she did more in that in that address. That when, when she first... It was like it's like she was always the first to put her head above the parapet, wasn't she? Yeah. You know, when it needed doing. But I think she did more for the mental health and spirit of the country in that address than anybody yeah. in that entire period. Yeah. In that in, in that whole lockdown, I don't think anyone was more admirable and steadied the ship more than the Queen did. Absolutely, yeah. and she was mm-hmm. one of the most vulnerable people, of course, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, the the, the whole situation as far as the government were concerned and various other bits and pieces and what was going on at the same time. And yet there was this, and again, this is the point, you know, this is a woman of 96. It's not like she's, you know, she's not 25 anymore. She's not mid forties. And yet this came, uh, still comes as a massive shock to people the world over. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when an average 90 year old passes away, you go, well, you know, that's life. You know, they had a good innings and stuff, but it came as a shock to people as though the parachute didn't open, you know, or that type yeah. of, that type of awful, oh my God, moment, mm-hmm. a bolt out of the blue. But that speech, you're quite right. Regardless, I think, of political standing or regarding anything in life whatsoever, that was one of those yeah. speeches that was the thing that kind of drawed people back together yeah. again, put them back in one spot, similar to the to the speech she gave when Diana Absolutely. did it. You know, she wasn't yeah. doing it as a monarch. She was doing it as a parent, as a grandmother, as somebody who knew the woman, you know. So mm-hmm. it's all... She does when when the car when the chips are down. I mean, she does she does tend to pull one out of the bag, doesn't she? And, and mm. that was definitely one of those occasions. So I got in from work. I think it was about half five, quarter six, or something like that. And I, I was like, my husband is weirdly quiet. He was like stuck on the stuck on the computer in the room I'm recording this now. He was like, can't talk. Operation London Bridge, which oh, is wow. which is the code name mm. for yeah. What you know, I believe it's not just in he. Was works for a, a construction company i think that's what 
everyone used as like the code name for this is the operation we have to put in place um it was that was that the case kieran for you for uh in the police as well very similar to be fair i mean we didn't hear that like i say i wasn't actually at work um yeah when i heard yeah. the news I'd heard the news in the afternoon that she wasn't well, but I literally discovered as I was arriving home. But as soon as I read that line, one of the first things that ran through my mind was London Bridge is down. Because yeah. that is the that is, that is the code name for yeah. tragically when um, the monarch has fallen, as mm. it were. So no, you're absolutely right, David. So we had the TV on in the in the kitchen and I started doing dinner. I thought the Queen's not gonna die, it's not gonna happen. You know, this was probably less than an hour ahead because I hadn't heard anything on the radio all day. Once you kind of when you're in school, sometimes it's like, you know, you're just like you're just oblivious. You're in this bubble and the the world around you uh, doesn't really exist. So uh, I started doing tea and think it was kind of getting ready to serve it up. And then the announcement from Hugh Edwards on the TV, at which point I was like, oh, God. We haven't written the text for our organization. <laughs> so um, it was a bit kind of like, you know, my husband's company have spent like years preparing for this as, as of many organizations. I started writing and I, I wrote the, the words and you know me, I'm not averse to writing a long piece, but I thought <laughs> brevity is the soul of wit. But those were, I think I only wrote about seven sentences in the end, but it was like, those were an incredibly difficult seven sentences to write. And that was the school for the school address, was it? Yeah, that's where all of our school. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting for us because obviously, I, for me personally, I mean, anyone who's with follows me on Facebook, they will know that you know they saw probably saw the post that I stuck out there. For me, swearing allegiance to the Queen's crown was one of the proudest moments of my life. So I'm wondering, as an organisation, where do we go from here? Do we have to swear allegiance to the new king, to the new monarch? And that's a very valid question. We've not heard anything, but obviously. Whatever organisation it may be, in public service, the military, or further afield, we will all have to implement steps now moving forward in order to facilitate the new monarch. So, so the councillors are doing it, aren't they? And, and uh, politicians are doing it currently. Yeah. So I dare say it will go through to this. Even just simple things as loyal crests, insignia, yeah. it's mm -hmm. all going to have to so it's going to affect everybody in our own unique ways. But no, for me, honestly, on the subject of the Queen, I mean, I can. I can follow David entirely here. The fact is, I wouldn't class myself as a staunch monarchist. I wouldn't class myself certainly not as anti-monarchy. I'm very much in the middle, but I, I believe the monarchy is the heart and soul of this country. Whether they have any power or not, they are fundamental to this country. And the Queen was the backbone of this country. Mm. For me, I couldn't have been more proud to serve her. And I'm going to be immensely proud to continue to serve King Charles. Yeah. Long live the king mm. and God save the king. We are, are very privileged in this country to have a monarchy that is not only, you know, so well respected, but also not just in this country, but around the world. I mean, Christ, this, 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 people look at our monarchy and, you know, they almost bow in respect whoever's in power because you know the longevity of this monarchy is, is is unprecedented and the queen's reign is at the forefront of that for me honestly bond and the queen they are the two fundamentals that make up the british psyche mm. very similar with bond the thing about the queen although she is human or that she's not infallible she's not superhuman she's not a superhero the fact is she's got this she had this mysticism about her as if she was going to reign forever and just yeah. like bond Bond will always find a way. He will always go on. 
maybe maybe not so much with the last instalment. But well, the yeah. is they, <laughs> they both shared that very similar path. But that's why I think for me, in some regards, or one regard at least, it was such a shock because I expected her to reign forever as I think most people did. Mm. I think there's a lot there, particularly in, in, in the fact of, of, of transcending everything. I mean, she is one woman and we've had, what, six bastards yeah. in yeah. a period of time. Mm. You know? She's transcended all of them as she's done with prime ministers and as she's done with that. Well, also from the fact that this royal family, I don't, I've never felt, or I've never known anybody feel the same way about the Saudi royal family or yeah. the Kuwaiti royal family. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I've never known anybody, and I know a, a, a number of people from, from those countries, and they never talk the way we talk about our royal family, mm. and the way in which that the, the media frenzy surrounding individual members of the royal family because they're doing this or they're visiting that or they're, they're opening this or they're you know launching this ship, for instance. That's not something, particularly the Saudi royal family, not a great deal of water in certain places. Uh, but they don't do a great deal of that there. Uh, and on the street, yeah. you often don't hear that that type of similar adoration in that respect. Absolutely. And the thing is, the thing, unique thing about the Queen is, unlike, say, I don't know, the King of Tonga, I mean, there's a great story between the King of Tonga and the, and the Queen uh, during the coronation when they were, I think they were, in the, they were in the coach or they were together in some form of transport, and then suddenly the, the horse uh, let off this enormous... <laughs> Uh, out of flatulence, and uh, the Queen said, oh, I, I'm ever so sorry. And he said, oh, I thought it was the horse. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so uh, the, the thing is, though, unlike a lot of the other monarchs around the world, you know, King Louis of France, she was known as the Queen. She didn't mm. need any more yeah. no, no, um But no, to, to round off my sentiments, honestly, I thought she was a wonderful woman, and uh, I think it's a tragedy that she's gone. But, um, you know, the Queen is dead, long live the King, and God save the King. Yeah. I, th well I think said. it's really interesting that we, you know, everyone here didn't grow up, you know, remotely close to when the Queen ascended to the throne. But even at, in her time, and so to us, it's almost like she's this mythological figure in a way, mm -hmm. because... Yeah. She's, you know, there are so many stories about her and her being wedded to the kind of myth of James Bond as well. But even at the time, so in From Russia With Love, the Fleming novel, he refers to, there's this, there's this great passage in the book where the Soviet intelligence agents are kind of trying to work out how to get at Bond and destroy this mythological hero of Bond. And then in pretty much the same sentence, they refer to the Queen of England as a hero. So it's almost like, and that book was 1957, that was only five years after the Queen ascended to the throne. Mm. And already she's being used in the same sentence as other mythological figures. Mm. And mm. how many other royal personalities around the world could we possibly or any famous person for that mm. matter could we actually say that about no it's very true her father would probably be the only, the only one i suppose leading up to that point and maybe her uncle to a point in, in connection with you know his ascension to the, to the throne and then i'm stepping down you're listening to real 007 and this is mariam darbo karamilovi from the living daylights while we're sort of talking about how it was for us when we first found out she died, I just wanted to go through the tributes that the Bond actors gave. I know there's a bit of fuss because the, the Bond, like, I know he's only the Twitter account, 
the social media came. It took a while, didn't it? it took well mm. over a month to put anything out, and people were quite upset. The Bond actors who reacted. Now I know Tim- Timothy Dalton isn't on social media, but interestingly, in the next series, of The Crown, he's playing Princess Margaret's long lost love, Captain oh. Peter Townsend. Oh, and the two did meet. A lot of them met at the Dine of the Day premiere of all places. Four of the Bonds were there to meet her. I'm sure he would have had a tribute if he had a a channel. But George Lazenby, his was, thanks for your service, ma'am. It was an honour serving you. Rest in peace, love, George. And then I think Pierce Brosnan's was, and he he got an OBE from the Queen at the Palace in 2003. So I didn't know, I didn't realise he was an OBE. When you don't think the knighted, you forget that, of course, he has had, he has had that. But his tweet was, was very short, very sweet. Rest in peace, Your Majesty. It was an honour to serve you. Love it. Absolutely love it. And Daniel Craig's was, was longer. Lovely. I, like so many, was deeply saddened by the news today. And my thoughts are with the royal family, those she loved, and all those who loved her. She leaves an incomparable legacy and will be profoundly missed. That I mean, that's the absolute Pete Bond, Pete royal family, Pete Britain, isn't it, for many people, and it, everything gelled together at the Olympics. And Rob was there. I thought, well, please tell us more about that while we mention it. I'm- I was very, very lucky um, to get... It feels like I got the nod, in a way, you know, to, to keep <laughs> yeah. going about. But getting to go to the opening ceremony of the Olympics was was something I'll, I won't ever forget. I was so excited because Danny Boyle was having a big part in the... You know, he, he designed the whole thing, didn't he? With the sort mm. of themes. And I, I thought the opening ceremony was amazing. It's something just... And this ties into another point about the Queen. The Queen represents a patriot patriotism that hasn't been sullied by recent politics or anything like that you still you can still be patriotic with your love of the queen uh, there's nothing wrong with being patriotic it's just that that phrase patriot has been sort of hijacked hasn't it in so many ways but the queen represented that it, it, you could all love her you could all love her with impunity and it was great anyway that being said, I actually felt the last time that you could generally feel that and that the whole nation had that feeling was at the 2012 Olympics. Obviously, I was in the stadium. I was in like one of the lower tiers. I'd had a, a pee next to Jackie Chan in a white tracksuit. Um, <laughs> that de- definitely stain. <laughs> Who was in the white tracksuit? Not right at all. You can't do that. <laughs> Honestly I, could, honestly, I just could not believe it. Like, just having a wee, you know, between things. Like, I could hear the music in the same, like, boom, 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 boom. and I'm, you know, like, come on, wee, come on out. Like, you know, and then, like, look over, like, couldn't quite get my head around it. He got a ticket like the rest of us, you know? And then the whole, they what they did really well was they played the video stuff on all the screens so seamlessly with what was going on, you know? So we knew it was Mr. Bean doing the Chariots of Fire thing, you know? Like, it was all so brilliantly done. Um, but when the Bond thing happened, I, I just couldn't get... I just, like, lost all sense of control, <laughs> to be honest. When, when the Queen was on, you know, obviously the stadium just, like, lost it when the Queen appeared. Shows the love, you know, and, and what you were saying about the sort of, like, the, the international reverence that everyone has for the Queen. Yeah, then it... <laughs> when, when the whole thing, when it was Bond, I mean, it was like, I couldn't get my head around it. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe... And then when it came up, became apparent that in the video sequence that the the day was getting shorter, wasn't it? You know, Craig picks up, sorry, Bond, picks up the Queen in daylight. And Mm. as they travel, it gets dimmer, doesn't it? And then I was thinking, wait a second, they're coming here! You know, and like the buzz like (laughs) wafted through the the stadium. And then when the, the helicopter appeared on cue with, I mean, like people appear on stage in front of 50 people with good timing, but appearing in a helicopter... (laughs) 
above a stadium with like 80,000 people in it. Bang on the right moment. I'll never understand. And then I remember looking up there and then seeing, you know, the it was like half looking at the screen to see. Because there's the, the gag, isn't it, when Her Majesty steps forward? That's right. You know, rather than Bond <laughs> stepping forward to jump mm. out. And like in up above, like, I didn't see that bit. I just seen the Queen cob herself out of a helicopter. Like, oh, no! No, no! <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And, and then Bond followed, and then the the, the stadium, like the music. It was just on a, I've gone, I've gone, I've got chills now. It was just yes. incredible. Oh, and then when she appeared further down, from us like the legit queen she was there out. yeah she was there yeah. and casually took her seat she was in on the gag it's brilliant yeah. Yeah. but there was like she was universally loved in that moment like just mm. you know, she's someone who can poke fun at herself she's someone who's game for a bit of fun she's someone who's proud of james bond and she got yeah. to say like that one of the great things about bond was that that, that, that her majesty was always present in the Bond world, always present, but we never saw her. You yeah. know, and um, and then we actually saw them. We're having a chat now. Yeah. You know, it's unbelievable. Evening, sir. Evening. Mr. Bond, Your Majesty. It was one of those extraordinary moments that that because she instigated a great deal of that obviously with with you know Boyle had said oh well this is what we're going to do and and she said should I say anything yeah and he said, well uh, well no because they hadn't scripted anything she said well I think I should say something which is why Daniel Craig gives the cough as Bond and then she says oh good evening Mr Bond and, and that's why he's got a moment of he's got a moment of good evening Your Majesty which is him going she's just said good evening Mr Bond that's pretty weird <laughs> character and also just also from a from a from a stunt perspective but the uh, the jump itself and the connection again and I, I, well, I don't think it was planned for the slightest thing but the stuntman who who doubled the Queen jumping from the helicopter was called Gary Connery. And his jump double was Mark, Mark Sutton, who was the guy who doubled Bond, who sadly is no longer with us. But uh, that was a very odd moment. But and again, she was they, you know, they were saying Danny Boyle was saying, "Well, you'd really like you to wear the same outfit, Mom." And she said, uh, "Well, yes, okay, fair enough." And then, and then a bit later on, she said, "Oh, I see what you're doing," because then she had to give the dress, she had to give the outfit to Julia McKenzie, the actress who was doubling. Or her getting doing the getting in, getting into the down the steps and into the helicopter routine. So she realised, oh no, I need to wear the same outfit. So, but her timing was spectacular. I must have been well, all of us. And there are still people to this day who think it's her. Yes. <laughs> oh my kid, my kids are convinced. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't persuade them otherwise. No, no, I not think, so. I think the only thing that would have improved that moment even more, and it was one of those, oh my god, I can't believe what I'm seeing moments. Even when we, we rewatch the Olympics opening ceremony on a regular basis in our house because my husband <laughs> is an Olympics nut, and yes, we do have to watch the entire flag ceremony in its. I mean, it's just like oh. I'm just like well, not the winter again, nights darling. must just fly so, by. Oh my god! You just, oh, yeah, and it's like should we watch Beijing as well? And I'm just like no, I'm off, I'm off to bed, off to bed, darling. 
I'm fine. Come on, hurry up. The men's triple jumps just yeah. about. Oh, God. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it is amazing every time you see it, but I think the only thing that would have improved that sequence even more is if she'd been wearing a bright yellow ski suit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then had to wear it throughout the rest of the evening. I mean, I mean... I mean, let's be, let's but be Mom, honest. we need you. Here yeah. is England. Yeah. <laughs> it only came to me, as even though I've watched that sequence God knows how many times, it only came to me when I was writing about this last week. I was like, she's not playing a Bond girl. She's playing James Bond. Yeah. She's got yeah. the Union Jack parachute. It's just like, yeah. I know all say we'd like to be James Bond, but so does the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love it if she had some of the gadgets as well. That, like, you know, some of the really insane, like a little, you know, the little, what was it? Like the little label maker watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be the, that would be. Yeah. Well, the, the, well the tell, him, tell her to pull out immediately. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's getting cut. That's Sorry, getting Bob. cut. There, no, goes no, my, there, there goes my chance of a knighthood. Oh dear! And the the, uh, the Prince of Wales had had was all had been given an Aston Martin, a very small one. Do you remember? You've seen the photographs online. If you haven't seen, you can Google it. But there was a pedal car version of an Aston DB4 or DB5 way back when he was a youngster, and then later on, it must have been a battery-operated one. It was mid-60s probably, and you push the lever and off it goes, you know, forward. And you push the lever backwards, it goes backwards. Yeah. So there there had always been sort of connections with. Uh, with Bond and the royal family and that type of thing for, for, for years. You know? Well, he visited the set, didn't he? Pinewood in 2019. And there's a picture, yeah. picture of the two of Bond and, uh, well, Daniel Craig and the Prince of Wales, now mm. King Charles III. And they sort of sat on the, the bonnet, aren't they, of, the, of one of the <laughs> Aston Martins. And... The bloke from Aston Martin sweating in the background. Please, please get off the car. This is <laughs> one-off. It's a prototype. We can't keep doing it. Yeah, yeah but of course, they'd always had that association with Bonds over the years to visit for uh, living daylight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, just while we're talking about the Olympics, I, I, it was quite an important, I mean, you know, we've talked about the Queen's role in it, but it, it was quite an important moment for me in terms of Daniel Craig as James Bond because I've had quite an up and down relationship with his tenure and, and his portrayal. Prior to that, it, you know, we'd had Casino Royale then Quantum of Solace and then quite a big gap. And so to see him embracing the role of James Bond, he wasn't just Daniel Craig's James Bond, he was James Bond, if that makes sense. And for him to embrace the sort of the fun side of it, the patriotic side of it, rather than the personal dark and gritty. I know, I know it sounds a bit stupid because it was just a little segment, a bit of a, bit of a light-hearted segment at an opening ceremony of the Olympics. I thought for his role, for his tenure as Bond, it was a really important moment. And it really propelled into the Skyfall 50th anniversary, kind of everything about that and, and that film. And that was a very patriotic film. I'm sure we might mention that later. But yeah, I, I just think it was important for him. So, you know, on a personal level for me, almost accepting and embrace, embracing him as Bond. But, you know, for, for him and for him to sort of fully own that role at that point, just thought it was, it was great in that regard. Do you know what's funny? I think just thinking about, obviously... Craig and his portrayal of Bond in that little short sketch. Obviously, he goes in to greet the Queen, and obviously he refers to her as Mom. And the fact is, obviously, you know, as we all know, the Queen is his boss. And similar with with us and all the other services, the fact is, you know, the Queen is our boss as well. So, mm. so at the next Olympics, I will be jumping out of a helicopter with King Charles. Spoilers. <laughs> 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 I think that's a really important point, though, because and you know, I always write from a kind of a queer point of view, obviously, and kind of trying to 
kind of um, disrupt a little bit, but sometimes me never. Bond works for a female boss, and I dare say there are, surely no one here, but I dare say there are lots of people who probably maybe haven't consciously thought about that. But if in real life, you know, people who say they're, they're Bond fans, but in real life might have a problem with that. I've always worked for female bosses, so I can sort of relate to Bond and get another way of relating to Bond. And obviously, you know, we had the Dench era. But I, yeah. I think one of the things that's really endearing about the Queen is she's that strong. People always, people have been saying for decades, Bond girls are strong women. Absolutely. But in a sense, do they sort of take their lead from the Queen? That is it. Uh- the mother figure of Skyfall, and you know, Skyfall is obviously all linked with this, not just because it came after that. There's so much patriotism in it, but there's also that mother relationship between Bond and mm. M that does feel a bit like the relationship with the Queen. Okay, you're never going to get antagonistic with the Queen, but it's that, it's that again, like I said before, that air of authority that's above Bond, even when he's sort of getting a bit angry and he's, you know, retiring and. Getting, mm. getting, going through apartment and all that. Yeah, still that barrier there that you, you know she is my boss, and it does feel like that with the Queen for the country. I think, and of course the imagery is very, very powerful. That the, the imagery when they're in the back of the car, you know, and they're driving towards MI6, and the laptop comes on. It's an image of the Queen, and it's Judy Dench's face in there. You know, it's coming from MI6. What? The data packet is linking to our network. Correction, this is behind our firewall. We should shut down. No, track it. We have to know where it's coming from. Strip the headers, trace the source. How the hell did they get into our system? Getting traced back now. It appears... It appears to be your computer, Mom. Shut it down. What is this? It's attacking, Silver's attacking the very identity of Britain, isn't it? And mm-hmm. that, you're absolutely right. There's that image on the computer of Her Majesty. And it, yeah, it's quite it's horrible, isn't it? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like a horror film, that. And it, it's more shocking because it uses her image because that's like, it's almost like blasphemy, isn't it? Really? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I can't help but think of all those moments in the Bond films where the Queen went to the royal premieres. And I'm sure she watched every Bond movie. And I'm sure, like us, even though she owned them on DVD and Blu-ray, she still watched them on ITV on bank holidays. I'm sure she did. But I can't help think of all those times. I went back through the list of Bond films that the Queen had been to at the royal premieres yeah. and the one that really stood out to me was die another day so yeah. we're not we're not going to get into the highs <laughs> and lows of die another day uh, you know otherwise we will be here you know for for decades probably um <laughs> what I, I what i couldn't help picturing was how the queen was going to react during certain scenes in die another day so particularly <laughs> Particularly all the lead up to Mojito and you know, talking talking about mouthfuls and you know we've got cockfights going on with Madonna and I'm just like she and Prince Philip must have been I mean you know she's let's let's be honest all joking aside she was a woman of the world nothing yeah. could have possibly shocked the Queen 
but but there are parts of Die Another Day which you stop when next time I rewatch it, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of imagine and try and put myself in her position and go, what is this saying about my country yeah. and my culture? <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think that during that particular scene that you're referring to, she turns to her equerry, whoever's with her at the time, and wonders if there's a spa open on the way home and she can pick up figs. <laughs> You'd like to think, she, maybe I could just pick up a couple of figs on the way home. Um, wow. It was slightly alarming. I was alarmed when I watched that movie. Never mind. <laughs> by the moment. I went, Surely that's the, the only film of that genre that the Queen has watched. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. it is alarming. What genre oh, is Die Another Day? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his own genre. Sci-fi. Yeah. Science fact. Sci-fi. Science fact. The cutting edge documentary. <laughs> yeah. I know she she met Madonna. Apparently, she didn't know who she was at the start. Anyway, there's a lot because it was the 40th anniversary. There is a lot of patriotism. There's a lot of imagery. I know. I think you mentioned it in your article. The, the grave stuff with the, when mm. it comes down to booking Palace. Yeah, great day to become a knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Miranda Frost who says, "I'm sure you understand. We don't want to keep Her Majesty waiting." Mm. She even gets yeah. a reference. I wonder what it'd be like in the premiere. Did, did they never <laughs> laugh? I'm in mean this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful day to become a knight. Will you be using your title, Mr. Graves? Ah, you know me. I'm proud of my adopted nation, but I'd never stand on ceremony. After an entrance like that, you can't be surprised you've been called a self-publicizing adrenaline junkie, can you? I prefer the term adventurer. We've been hearing rumors about the Icarus space program. What's the big secret? It's not a secret, it's a surprise, but don't worry, you'll soon be enlightened. You seem to work 24-7. Is it true that you don't need sleep? You only get one shot at life. Why waste it on sleep? Aren't you trying out for a place in the British Olympic fencing team? We hear you've been training furiously. Oh, I never get furious. As they say, I'm fencing. What's the point? All right, everybody, thank you very much. I'm sure you understand that we don't want to keep Her Majesty waiting any longer. The other one that stood out to me, I don't know if she went to the premiere, but the end of Moonraker. So <laughs> yeah, she's mentioned. But they announced that they're they're broadcasting the footage from the shuttle from London Goodhead Palace. Yeah. to Buckingham Palace. Well, I'm sure Her Majesty will be fascinated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the entry. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Love to have been there. Yeah. As this is the first joint venture between our two countries. I'm having it patched directly to the White House and Buckingham Palace. Well, I'm sure Her Majesty will be fascinated. We have audiovisual. Ah, at last. <laughs> My God, what's Bond doing? I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. It may be time to go home. Take me around the world one more time. Why not? She did go to quite a few, didn't she? So I think the first one she went to was You Only Live Twice. Is that right? The, the Royal oh, Premier. Wow. That's the first, she... yeah, the first first bomb premiere, I think, that she went to was you and I, I I was desperately trying to maybe David will fill us in on the rest, but I was desperately trying to find out if there had been any royal occasions prior to that, i.e. 
Doctor No through to Thunderwall. Yeah. I don't think there was. Um, uh, no, I'm not sure, to be honest. I didn't quite go that far back. I, I don't know that he'd become a royal thing until then, but I might exactly, be yeah. No, West Side first... Story was her first one, I think, as, as uh, in the 60s anyway. So she didn't do a Doctor No, but she did do West Side Story and then in 62. Because so. I don't know whether the Queen was immediately, a bit like Bond, it was a big hit straight away, but it got bigger and bigger. And the Queen, I don't know whether she was accepted, but then 10 years into her reign, she was like, I don't know how established she was compared to how we've always accepted that she's always been there. I don't know whether you don't know what it was like, do we? I guess at the time, I mean, your dad might remember more of that, John. But I assume she's always been regarded the same. I think she's always been regarded the same, as 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 the king had always always been regarded the same. You know, prior up to that, and again, you know, we're looking at these these people referring to these you know extraordinary periods of mourning that we've had and extraordinary coverage that we've had, and yet the reason that we have this now is because we're able to do it back in nineteen. 52, when the king died, it wasn't really a case of that. It was a case of newspaper articles and bits and pieces that were there. And there was none of the blanket coverage that we have now. And this is what's going to happen in 20, 30 years' time. Again, you know, we are preparing ourselves for something that's likely to happen again. Uh, the, the king is 73, you know, he's the, the, the longest reigning or the longest next in line, you know. And so, and he's, he's come to the throne at 73, 73, and his mother was 96. You know, you only have to do the maths to go, well, you know, we, we know what to expect. And this is likely to happen again, as, as, the, as, the, as Bond refers to, the circle of life. You know, that's exactly what it is. You know, it's very, very simple in that respect. But, uh, um, you know, extraordinary occasions, extraordinary um, events call for extraordinary moments. I know we're talking about the Queen, but as you just brought up King Charles, maybe this is the time to mention it, but mm -hmm. I don't know how many people have read John Glenn's autobiography. Yeah. Oh, uh, you you have a I copy, the, David. Yeah, I've got a copy. I, I got it. I can't remember where I got it from. Secondhand somewhere. It's it the hardest thing to get hold of. <laughs> it's really, really good. And he might have actually... I think he's told this story um, a couple of other occasions and it's probably appeared in other things, but it wasn't originally Margaret Thatcher at the end of For Your Eyes Only. It was Prince Charles. Ah. But the person who was impersonating Prince Charles and Glenn is too much of a gentleman to go into. So if you interview him again, perhaps, you know, off the record, ask him, uh, <laughs> ask him about this. Apparently the, the actor who was supposed to play the, the impersonator was caught in something of a sex scandal. So they had to recast the end of the film and have Margaret uh, Janet Brown as Margaret Thatcher <laughs> and John Wells as Dennis instead. <laughs> so can you imagine watching For Your Eyes Only now if that had, if the original yeah. plan had gone ahead and we've got the king <laughs> being on the other end of the phone with Bond and Max the Parrot? Wow, <laughs> that's, that's very interesting. I know that there was a, a conversation thread on Twitter in connection with Mikey Arwood, who's uh, currently staying in one of the Variety Club homes uh, for, uh, for performers of a certain age. And he does remember being approached and I've only just removed that now based on what you've just told me. But he he does remember being approached to do something of this nature because there had been a problem with a previous actor who was playing the role. And on the and because he used to do that as part of his show, you know, he would do a he would very regularly do a Prince Charles impression. And then for them to go, no, 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 let's change the whole thing and go in the direction of uh, of um, Thatcher and Dennis. That, that that kind of makes absolute sense. But that that's a very interesting, very interesting thing to come out with. I must admit. Could you imagine if if it stayed it stayed that way with Prince Charles at the time? Prince Charles being you know doing the mm. 
the thing. And can you imagine if he'd gone the whole, really, Mr. Bond? (laughs) (laughs) Now, (laughs) how that would... (laughs) Really? No, it wouldn't have worked, would it? No, possibly not. On a slight caveat of that, I mean, it's interesting. So Janet Brown famously married to the late, great Peter Butterworth. Yes. And of course, a staple and a stalwart of the Carry On films. I, I couldn't enter this podcast without bringing up the Carry Ons. And right, too. again, a backbone of British culture and psyche. I mean, I adore the Carry Ons personally, and they are ever enduring, uh, just, like, just like Bond, although they haven't been produced for nearly 30 years. And yet, there's still more yeah. than Bond films, which is insane. It's incredible. It's also and ridiculous actually, that they never made that. Uh, they they never made a Carry On movie as a royal premiere. I'd have loved that. That would have been yeah, so much better yeah. to 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 accommodate. And yet, of course, um, you know, we, as we found out relatively recently, even though it was an April Fool, but nevertheless, it's a <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I love the idea that Sid James has been approached as being one of Ian Fleming's favourites. As so, <laughs> so for, con- for context, I think I need I need to offer context to our listeners here. Um, and yes, I I got in touch with a handful of people today and said, I, d- I cannot believe this that Sid James was apparently Fleming's first choice to play James Bond, <laughs> and he <laughs> and he he tested. I'd have seen role. that movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I would have seen that. Yeah, movie. Um, and and he tested for the role, and he not only that, but the screen test for it was had Barbara Windsor playing Ursula Andress <laughs> and it had <laughs> Kenneth Williams as M. And and like I, I I couldn't I got in touch with a bunch of people about it. And then I I reread the article and I saw that the article date was April first, two thousand and six. Oh yeah. <laughs> we were so close to greatness. Hook, line, and this close. That's how we were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And the thing is, there are several connections between, of course, Carry On and Bond. Oh. Obviously, the, the countless actors that transcended from one film series to the next. But then, obviously, there's a great photograph. I'm sure some of you have seen it. And it's Sid James on the set of On a Majesty's Secret Service with yes. George Lazman. Right. And you can tell it's him from Carry On Camping because of the mm. outfit that he's wearing, because he wears that same outfit within the, that film in certain scenes. And, I mean, having met George on two to three occasions, I would love to ask him about that, but I'm not sure if he'll even remember it and or even who Sid James is. But the fact is, just that story, if a picture can tell a thousand words, that is one of them. Um, I, would love to, I would love to go inside the lens of that camera and just be a fly on the wall to that conversation to be privy, because I bet it was a very interesting one, a unique conversation, to say the least. Unbelievable. Kieran, you and I, and I don't know whether anybody else, we've been to Peace Gloria, where you saw George, didn't you? And and that yes. <laughs> the film, of course, that even in the title, the whole point is that Bond is resigning or whatever and serving yeah. majesty absolutely like you say tom his glory is a magical place it's a place i'd always wanted to visit for me i was incredibly blessed and lucky to actually get to see it during the 50th anniversary so obviously martin Mulder, he does on the tracks of 007 and it was part of that anniversary there was the portuguese leg there was the swiss leg i couldn't do both but obviously if i had the choice of course i'm going to pick switzerland because that's where the bulk of the film is set and takes place but to actually go to his glory within the context of that year the 50th anniversary to have George there and it just incredible and you know first time at Piz Glory as well so what a thrill uh cue the music was there superb and I think that the highlight for me 
was sitting down at my table. I'll put some of these pictures in the group so you can see. And George was actually on the next table to us. It was incredible. And then there was one point where the sun was setting and George got his phone out to take a picture. And it had 007 just coming over the window. And I thought, oh my God, this is a moment I'm going to have to capture. And literally, if I hesitated, I would not have got it. But it's just the perfectly framed and captured picture. And apparently one of the waiters who was there working that night, he said, I haven't seen a sunset like this since they actually filmed it here. Just just like it was in the film. So it was 007 to coin. (laughs) You can have that. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the second time that Kieran's almost made me cry, so I was like <laughs> dabbing my <laughs> eyes. And... <laughs> when we went in this summer to Peace Gloria, I mean, it, I, I agree, it's probably the best holiday thing I've ever done in my life. One of the best days of my life, and anyone who hasn't been has got to go. Even the journey to get there is magical. And I didn't even realise all the places, of course, that's in the film is on the journey itself. So I, I do recommend it, but... One of the first things when you go into the 007 sort of museum bit is that picture. I, mean, I don't know if it's the same one. It's that picture of the Queen that mm. is in, of course, the you know the scene where he's just effectively resigned and then he's going to go back to on a Majesty's Secret Service. But umsh. That was a quick conference. How do you expect a girl to keep herself alluring? Take a memo, please, Money Penny. Ready, James. Sir, I have the honour to request you will accept. My resignation, effective forthwith. Resignation from what? Her Majesty's Secret Service. And kindly presented that monument in there. You know, just being there and that, just seeing it, and we were sort of waving at it, we had a picture with the portrait, and it's amazing to think that in that short time, she's died since then, and it has a whole different meaning almost now, that scene, where, you know, sorry, ma'am, even though she's died, that'll still... That won't date because it's yeah. still it's still serving her and it's still his boss. Sorry, ma'am. I was sort of looking <laughs> at that bit and I, I almost choked up because it was like, oh my word, it was just after she died. And I saw the picture of, of me and you know with the queen there. And it was like, oh dear me. Some people would have been up there, wouldn't they, when it happened, of course. And yeah, yeah. and, and all around the world, yeah. It's I mean, I think Tom, you'll be able to relate to this, but just when you travel to his glory, even the journey to get to Interlaken and oh. places like Steschelberg. I mean, my God. I mean, I was playing Journey to Blofeld. Yes, cool. Yeah, on, yeah. on the train from, I believe it was, I think it was from Bern to Interlaken. And yeah. just, just just watching the Swiss skyline pass me by with, with that playing in my ear, honestly, it gave me goosebumps. Mm. And I will carry those memories with me for the rest of my life. And when I listen to that track now, it takes me right back to Switzerland 2019. And again, going up the cable car, um, someone again played it when we were actually going up the cable car and it, and oh. that, it added an even, even greater level to it. Um, and I know exactly what portrait to which you're referring. As a result of that film, I did purchase a print of that exact portrait oh, yes. to put in my house, not only as a Bond reference, but only as, you know, out of respect to, you know, my boss and, of course, you know, such an esteemed figure in our mm-hmm. lives. So, no, it, it's a magical place. And it, unless you've been there, it's actually, our words don't do it justice. No, all. but it still looks like it does in the film. It's, you know, yeah. when you, you go to somewhere and, oh, it's not how I imagine. It, because they did so much of it on location, they didn't do yeah. a studio mock-up of it. It yeah. is, it's honestly, it's just like... Yeah. 
I, I know when we were there, there was there was a bit of snow and the ice and the glaciers right at the top, but it was stunning. It was like thirty degrees, but you could see everything. Because I know some, yeah. I know Bob Bob Foster went, didn't he? It was foggy, so you couldn't yeah. see a hand in front of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, you know, I mean, taking other people's word for the fact that oh, this is where they filmed this. And yeah, this, yeah. So I physically couldn't see it. That I mean, I was shame. scared scared of heights, so it wasn't really good for me because you could see everything. Oh no! But, but, <laughs> no, I, I because it was Bond, I was like, I've got to do it. You know, overcome the fear. Yeah. Just checking, I'm not the only one seething with envy right now. I, I'm scared. Oh, 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 I mean, you know, I mean, you've room, probably be been seeing daggers in my eyes for the last yeah. few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go, David. Though. You've been to a lot of the other locations, haven't you? I know. I, I will. <laughs> I will go there eventually. By now, John Kell, aka License to Kell, had joined the conversation. I saw on Twitter the other day that Reuben Wakeman went last weekend. Yeah. For yes, age fortieth, yeah. and it was actually snowing. Yeah. yeah, and so you, because oh. because because your pictures, Tom, are unbelievable. Yeah, but it, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Maybe at the yeah, top there might be a bit of snow, but green, yeah, yeah. But the I ideal couldn't believe it. Like, sky, wow, with the snow, that's that's the ideal one. Snow's oh. impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Have you not been there, yeah. John Orton? I haven't been there. No, I've been to. Oh, I've, I've been to many of the great locations. Yeah, uh, I've been to Swindon. <laughs> uh, for, uh, it's not enough. I've been to Aldershot, Peterborough. Oh, I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> um, you know, all the big places I've been to. But it's similar sort of thing. That's the connection between the Queen and Bond. You know, you, you when you go to somewhere. You go to a location. I was in Corfu, for instance. Let's explain that. That was one yeah. that I went to. And automatically, I was taken back to the film. I had the soundtrack playing. It was incredibly mm. warm. It was just spectacular. I found the places where they did the chase and stuff. And you go, oh, wow, this is amazing. And similarly, you can understand, obviously, that the, the, the Queen passes away. And you see those thousands and thousands of people just wanting to see the coffin go by in the car yeah you know they just want to sit because they and the crown's fixed to the to the casket and they're driving through on the hearse and they just want to be there because they need to have that moment and particularly poignant for me was those ex-servicemen who turned up realized right they need to go from this point to this point here which means they'll be traveling down this road and they would find themselves on a stretch of road and they would get to a point See, right, and then they would salute as the car would come by. That was really very powerful. And the, uh, those type of images never, never, never leave you. And similarly with Bond, that's the connection between the two. You know exactly where you were when you saw this. That's your first mm. film. You've been to this location. It gives you all of those moments. Well, these guys are doing exactly the same thing. They know where they were. Some of those were Falklands veterans. Some of them were Afghanistan, wherever they were. That lady in that casket in that car was their boss. And they are prepared to come out and stand in the middle of, of, a, of, a, of a road on the side of a road and just to be there, just to, to, to pay their own respects. It's extraordinarily powerful. It really is. Those sorts of experiences, they're, they're communal experiences. And I know that a lot of people were commenting on the queue. Mm, in yeah. the run-up to the Queen's funeral. Um, and I think it was really easy for some people, particularly on Twitter, to be really snarky about the queue. Although I, I, I have no doubt that if my husband and I had been staying for a weekend in London and we'd walked on the South Bank, we would have ended up in the queue. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have definitely happened. 13 absolutely. hours, however many hours, we would have been there if we hadn't been at work and, and whatever. Um, and it got me thinking about how... Bond fandom is also, it, it has that communality to it, if that's a word, mm. is that kind of feeling of everyone 
having the same sort of experience and we don't and some commentators on the on the radio were speculating that it had such a draw because we don't have as many of those communal experiences anymore where we mm. all watch the same tv program at the same time and i don't want to trivialize yeah. but you know those times where you feel like you are part of a large group of people and i think I think Bond probably serves a kind of similar social function. I totally agree, David. I don't know if anybody said this already, but the Queen dying, I think the only time I can feel a similar feeling is Robin Williams, but also Roger Moore. And, oh, and, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and that, it's that feeling that you might not have personally known them, but yeah. they are such a part of your life yeah. still. It, it, so I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah, no, I, I see that completely. I mean, that, that's um, that's a, that's that's absolutely right the way through everything that I've seen as far as that's concerned. I never got a chance to meet Roger. I know oh, many yeah. people did when he was doing his um, his tour and his, his um, uh, you know evenings with. I had an opportunity to to. I was in Belfast at the time, and I was working at the the airport, and I wasn't able to do it. And he was in Belfast at the Opera House, and I wasn't able to do it. And I never got a chance to do it. And when he died, it was absolutely like a family member died yeah. Yeah. i was that man had been a complete constant in my life for 30 plus years mm. yeah. as bond he was on the posters on my wall he was the music that i played the videos that yeah. i watched whether it was the saint persuaders or bond everything there was there wasn't a day that went by when i wasn't watching something or seeing something that was roger connected so for yeah. him to die you go oh, just it was absolutely destroying and I, I and you're quite right those type of moments they bring all of that back yeah. to to why people are reacting the way they are, and and you're quite right. We're going. Uh, um, I'm going down to London uh, in a week's time, and if this had have been a week later, we've got bits and pieces planned. But you're quite right, David. If 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 we'd have been down and it was like next week, we'd have been in that queue because that's hugely important to us who didn't get an opportunity to meet her to to be in a situation where we can just say you know and and and. Thank you, and then and move on very quickly. But that would have been our moment to do, and it wouldn't have mattered how long it took. It was, it, it would have been um, just something that you had to do. Another thing that you you would uh, tick off the list, you know. I know it's nothing new to say it, but and you you pretty much have just said it. But that is what Bond and the royal family, the Queen especially, have in common. That they are the constant that you've talked about, John. They've they've been with you growing up through different stages of your life. You've developed different appreciations of them during different stages of your life. They've kind of been there when you've needed them. And that is why they both Bond and the Queen equate to kind of family members. You know, there's mm. so much of the Queen reminds us brothers of of her grandmother, you know, Bond, maybe Roger Moore, you know, that like like or you know, the, 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 you know, there's that Sunday afternoon quality. They're, they're a part of the family. There really can't be many things like that in the world. And it's staggering, and I just want to say as well, I'm not especially patriotic at all. Like, you know, big football fan, but the f- football team and other things have never really got me feeling especially proud to be English. But as well as being family, like family members, Bond and the Queen are the closest I get to being proud of where I come from. Yes. Proud proud of what we've made. And I think that's, that's why the two do go hand in hand and they have this relationship and just to go on on, on a slight tangent I, I, and it goes back to kind of what david was mentioning about that was it from russia the love the line you mentioned sort of putting bond on, and the queen on a level yeah, the queen of england is also a hero yeah. yeah, and there's like this mystical, mythical, sorry, quality mm. to her as well. I know you've you've mentioned about the Fury Eyes Only situation, but 
part of me is so happy that the Queen was never in a Bond film. She was always kept above that. He was always serving this unknown power, this unknown uh, allegiance he had and absolute dedication to something that was never in the film. And, she, you know, in many ways, that was kind of testament to him, to Bond, keeping the world safe, that it never, it yeah. never got to the Queen. He was always standing in. Uh, you know, as funny as that might have been at the end of Few Eyes Only, I'm, I'm so happy that they yeah. were separate. I don't include the Olympics thing in that because the Olympics thing is absolutely brilliant and I love yeah, every yeah. minute of that. But, mm. I mean, I'm glad the Queen was never part of the plot. Yeah. Um, mm. and, and, and I just think that keeps them both. That means they're both, they've both done their jobs really well, kind of, if that makes any sense. I'm sure this will be in Tom's montage of uh, footage of uh, the Queen in, in Bond films. Although I've not seen anyone else online mention probably the most direct reference to the Queen in the Bond films, which is in 1967's Casino Royale, when um, <laughs> David David Niven is... The M tries to lure... M played by John Huston, he tries to lure David Niven's Sir James Bond, so he does give in and have a knighthood in the end, although in the novel of Man with the Golden Gun, he says he doesn't want one. So he, he, you know, he mm. M tries everything to get Sir James Bond to come out of retirement and rejoin the Secret Service, and his his last trump card, which he thinks he's going to do it, is he hands a letter to Bond, and it's quite clearly been written by the Queen. And Bond's response is not even for her. <laughs> and it's, inc yeah. it's incredibly respectful. Yeah. But the message is, you know, if he's not going to do it for her, he's not going to do it for anyone. End of story. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a, a cute... I mean, that film, I, you, you know how much I love that film uh, and defend it passionately, <laughs> partly because I'm awkward. But uh, it, it's it's such a kind of moving moment in a in a very bizarre movie. And it, it really... When, when she died, that was actually one of the probably one of the first three bits of bond that came back to me that reverence that and in, in that film you know the queen would have only been on the throne for 15 years and already she's got that credibility and mm. everything we've been saying about her being a kind of myth so you know 55 years down the line you know how much more had that increased yeah the, um, the other thing to also, and you're, you're quite right in that respect, and also to point out is that people are, are, are very complicated. You know, people's mm -hmm. emotions are very complicated. And when we say that the passing of an individual that we've never met has the mm. same effect as a family member, in certain cases, it has the fact of, of regressing emotion that maybe should have happened. Mm you know, when somebody did pass and didn't. So there are many, many family members up and down the country, many individuals who will have lost a loved one, who will have lost a family mm -hmm. member, who will have lost somebody close to them and felt nothing in respect of that. And yet it takes something like this, a national event, whether it be the Queen, whether it be Diana, whether it, whoever it yeah. is, to suddenly everything then comes out in a, in a huge pouring of grief and allows them an opportunity foreclosure you know from whatever's happened before and i think that happens in a, in many many situations and and there may be uh, and we, we we saw it at first with diana's passing but certainly we saw it uh, very recently with the queen's passing and people who the, the outpouring of grief individual grief may not have been simply surrounded by the monarch but caused by 
that passing of the mind and consequently has allowed them to to you know, get rid of all of this emotion that's been pent up you know the the uh, david you mm. touched on it earlier in connection with um uh, the queen and diana and, and doing what she thought was right because obviously leading up to that it was something emotions were something that you kept very much to yourself you didn't you know you didn't let it out and yet the, the country said, well, you should be back in London. And so she understood that and she came back and she she uh, effectively you know, said, OK, I understand what they're looking for. And we go ahead and we do it. So it's a it's a very powerful thing and and, um, and, and works on many, many levels. It happened as well at the Platinum Jubilee, because it, it's amazing. She's a force for uniting the nation, not in Greece, not just in grief, but in celebration, isn't it? Mm. And it really, you know, mm. that concert in front of Buckingham Palace just felt so everyone i was in our local uh, in the, in the cotswolds at the king's arms and everyone was watching it everyone was chatting to each other yeah, people yeah. who wouldn't normally speak to each other and she had that sense of bringing each other together for me the the, the main similarity between roger's death and the queen's death is that the queen and roger were probably the two warmest personalities in their yeah. actual areas of yes. the field yeah that's yeah, to me is yeah. why you know we love everyone in Bond. I'm not gonna. People have differing opinions of the royal family. Not everybody is a is a, a royalist. But any vitriol that happens towards it never is directed to the Queen because we see the Queen as a woman of integrity, mm. a woman of warmth, a woman who doesn't take herself too seriously. You know, she will happily. Platinum Jubilee. She'll happily sit at a tea table with Paddington, yeah. or or she'll happily pretend to get, jump out of a um, out of a uh, of a plane, you know, for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. This is a woman who identifies with people of normal nature, which is exactly what Roger Moore did. Someone who didn't mm-hmm. take himself too seriously. Absolutely. Somebody who was quite self-deprecating in a lot of yeah. ways. And the every man, the every woman can identify with somebody like that. And that, to me, is why this stings. That's the only way I can describe it. And both of those, John, of course, sort of in different ways. I know it's stupid to, to sort of compare the monarch of a country and the person playing James Bond, but they understood their roles and they, yeah. they embraced <laughs> those roles and knew the importance of them and the significance of them to the wider public beyond the British public, but for the whole world. Because you're not I just playing Bond on, on the times you're filming. You are in between the films, you are Bond. You you're representing the whole fandom and the whole community when when you're not when you're not filming. I don't think it is stupid math at all. I you know, I think we've all wrestled with this, our obsession with James Bond, and we go, why are we obsessed <laughs> with this fictional character? Why does why can we not walk down a street or go to asda or getting the car in the morning to drive to work why can we not do these things without thinking we're in a bond story Mm. you know i'm i know i'm not anyone because we do for you know i'm not a psychologist but i read a lot of psychology and try to understand it so if i'm going back to mangle this i apologize to any i'm about to record a podcast with the psychologist so i'll ask him if i've got this wrong but the the psychologists do agree that we do form relationships with fictional characters that can feel real. 
I think they call them parasocial relationships where, and sometimes that's to help us try and process things going on in our everyday lives. I say this as someone who's written 200,000 words trying to <laughs> process all the <laughs> rubbish in my head, you know, from the last 30 God, 30 odd years, you know, through James Bond. And I tried to process all of my existence through James Bond and a few other <laughs> fictional characters, but mostly James Bond. And I think what John has just said about if if perhaps some things were a bit too raw in our own lives, say the death of grandparents or other family members or whoever, and then we kind of, it's almost, I don't know if it's more socially acceptable or if it is just more approachable because it doesn't feel as raw thinking about our own losses, but we mm. kind of do it vicariously through someone else's grandmother. Mm. And I think that's what a lot of us are feeling. And similarly, like when, and again, I don't, I'm not being remotely disrespectful here, but something no one has mentioned so far is that James Bond died pretty recently on screen. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people had a hard time processing that. I'm aware that I'm mm -hmm. in a minority of people who thought that was the right <laughs> creative decision <laughs> at that point in the Bond series. But I'm sure you've examined your own feelings mm. about this and why True. we have such divergent reactions to that. Because, you know, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but there's, there's that really classic model of how we deal with grief going back to the late 1960s by mm. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And so as we go through different stages of grief, yeah. you know, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. I was... Even though I was 99% certain because my husband had spent four or five hours figuring out how to enact Operation London Bridge, I was like, this is pretty serious. There was still a big part of me when I got home from work on that day, on that Thursday, was going, it's not going to happen. That, that, was, that was denial yeah. going yeah. on there. And even though when I went into No Time to Die, I'd avoided all the spoilers until yeah. my auntie, 60 seconds before we went into the film, oh, said, no. oh, apparently it's really sad when James Bond dies. I <laughs> I spent the I love my auntie, but I will never <laughs> forgive her for that. <laughs> so, but you know, there was a big part of me that had been coming to terms with it because I thought it is the natural direction. We're going there. And I thought that would genuinely happen. But I spent the next two hours and 45 minutes going, he's not gonna die. He's not uh, yeah. yeah, he's gonna die. So, you know, we we go through those same sort of emotions for real people. Mm even real people we've never met. You know, the closest I've got to the Queen was going to a, a garden party where Prince Charles was in attendance in, um, three years ago. So I've oh. never met this person, mm. but I feel like I did know her. And mm. the same thing with James Bond. I, mm. even, though he's, even though I know he's being played by more than six p different people and he's a fictional construct, he still feels real in many ways. Mm. Oh yeah, David. I'm I'm so so sorry. I didn't mean to laugh while you were talking about the the grief, the stages of grief, because uh, I couldn't. <laughs> I, I exploded with laughter because I, f I suddenly felt so seen about how I feel about James <laughs> Bond's death. It was like it was like an arrow, you know, like because you went, when you went through the things like you know, like what, denial, what? anger, bargaining. Like, yeah. I have written it down just in case I got them in the wrong order. Like, but yeah. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Yeah, we've it had was, all of those, it, apart from it was, acceptance. It was depression, and I'm still on depression. That's, yeah. So it was when you said depression, which made me pop. I, I would never be so disrespectful as, as to laugh while you were speaking. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that at all. I, I didn't notice. Don't worry. Okay. okay. <laughs> my, my oh, way no, of, the hole is being dug. 
<laughs> my way of processing death is basically to laugh anyway. So okay. yeah. I'm in good and company here. Now I've said that, I realised that my mic was off during that. I didn't need to say a thing. <laughs> no, <you didn't. laughs> I actually need to get off. That's that's exactly the point. That 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 you know you, whatever you read, whatever you, leading up to the movie, whatever you read, you go no no no, it couldn't possibly. They're not po- yeah, They couldn't yeah. possibly go in this direction. That would be stupid. That would be lunacy. And then as you go along, you go oh. They are going that way. There's nothing you could do about it, you know? And as again, that whole emotion thing. I've watched that sequence. I've said this before, but I've watched that sequence without the music. And I can go through it from point A to point B, and I'm okay with it. You put that music score on it, and I'm gone four bars in. Easy. You know, it really does batter you senseless. And once that that music score, it's a a magnificent moment musically. I, I can't deny that. And that does affect you, and and it, and it, it it kicks in. And similarly, in, in respect to you know losing individuals that you're you know this is a fictional character, I sh- mm. I, but I'm so I'm so involved in this mm. character over forty plus years of being a fan that it gets me here. You know, it really does. Mm. It's wrenching. So to be in a situation where this individual, this woman who is the monarch, who suddenly mm-hmm. goes in the same direction, you go, you know, I've never met mm. the woman, but it just gets you here and so you can understand how people go in that same direction but i, I understand everything that david was saying there and uh, i never want to speak to your auntie ever if i get the chance <laughs> <laughs> maybe if she hadn't said anything you'd have been fine through the whole thing and then you'd have to deal with it yourself but no i think all. it was i think it was helpful really i had two hours and 45 minutes Pre- to get used right, to the okay. idea <laughs> yeah we just need more time if we only had more time You have all the time in the world. I love you. I love you too. is ultimately it doesn't matter whether you, we're talking about the queen sir roger the character as a fictional entity there's a sense there's a sense of grief here because the fact yeah. is whether it be the bond film series whether it be the monarch the royal family it's all we've known throughout our lives and mm. what we were saying earlier about sir roger he's my bond he always has been he always will be he was the first bond that i ever saw properly He's the first one I remember watching in Live and Let Die. I was eight years old and I was absolutely just encapsulated by what I was seeing. I was engrossed. I I was literally, you know, I'd never seen anything like it. I was on the phone to my sister and I was giving her a running commentary of what was happening. It was one of my fondest childhood memories. And when he died, my heart was shattered. And honestly, I mean, he, he was an incredible human being and, you know, I was fortunate to meet him once. I can't say I never met him because I did. But the fact is, it, it was literally 
a brief moment, shake your hand, pose for a picture, on we go. Um, but that's a memory I'll carry with me for the rest of my mm. life. But the fact is, I never knew him, but we all feel that we do know him because of the medium through which, via which we have come to know and love him so fondly. And it's the same for the Queen, and it's the same for Bond as a character. And what I love about Sir Roger and, of course, the Queen is their unwavering devotion to their duty. And, you know, they never faltered, they never complained, and that is a very, very special thing. Even in the films, Roger's films, it's... It, I've mentioned this before, you know, the scene in Octopussy, where mm. she sort of almost says, come on, join me, you'd earn more money and all that, and I'm not for sale. Not for sale. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah, it, yeah. And yeah, it's... Yeah. Even though people pigeonhole Roger as, the, you know, Roger the lover, and he, he's mainly interested in getting to bed. No, he's he's interested in information, as we know. <laughs> but, he, but he's also got the beauty that mm. every Bond has and should have, that even yeah. then, he could use himself in a... Uh, you know, in a personal yeah. way. No, no, that draw that, and he look he looks annoyed at that point yeah. oh, because yeah. that is who Bond is. He is devoted to the country. Are we going somewhere? I have to go to Europe tomorrow on a business trip. Oh, that's a pity. I, I was just beginning to enjoy myself. I think you should stay. I'll only be gone a week. When I come back, we'll discuss the future. Well, I can't guarantee that. Be here when you return. Oh, James, we're two of a kind. There are vast rewards for a man of your talents willing to take risks. I'm not for hire. Oh, a man of principle, with a price on his head. Naturally, you do it for queen and country. I have no country, I have no price on my head. I don't have to apologize to you, a paid assassin, for what I am. Right, it's like the, the Trevelyan. There's, well, Goldeneye is another one. You know, he sort of mocks him about you, a few tearful restaurateurs, but Her Majesty's Loyal Terrier. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, Her Majesty's yeah. Loyal Terrier. Yeah, defender of the so-called faith, and he's like mocking the institutions that Bond represents. But no, Bond has integrity, and there's no Absolutely. way he could sort of sell his soul to money or another group, a splinter group, mm. who are going to use him. And because yeah. it, the, the moral of the story with all Bond is. Bond wins, you know, that always wins. Mm. Anyone who goes against it, like Silver or Trevelyan, or yeah. even, I mean, even Electra, you could say, and it's it's like, it, no, we understand why they go there, perhaps, and we have empathy for them. Alec, back from the dead. No longer just an anonymous star on the memorial wall at MI6. What's the matter, James? No glib remark? No pithy comeback? Why? <laughs> Hilarious question, particularly from you. Did you ever ask why? Why we toppled all those dictators, undermined all those regimes, only to come home? Well done, good job, but sorry, old boy. Everything you risked your life and limb for has changed. It was the job we were chosen for. Of course you'd say that. 
James Bond, Her Majesty's loyal terrier, defender of the so-called faith. Oh, please, James, put it away. It's insulting to think I haven't anticipated your every move. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yes. I trusted you, Alec. Trust. What a quaint idea. How did the MI6 screening miss that your parents were Leon's Cossacks? Once again, your faith is misplaced. They knew. We're both orphans, James. But where your parents had the luxury of dying in a climbing accident, mine survived the British betrayal and Stalin's execution squads. But my father couldn't let himself or my mother live with the shame of it. MI6 figured I was too young to remember. And in one of life's little ironies, the son went to work for the government whose betrayal caused the father to kill himself and his wife. Hence, Janus. Two-faced Roman god come to life. It wasn't God who gave me this face. It was you setting the timers for three minutes instead of six. Am I supposed to feel sorry for you? No. Supposed to die for me. <laughs> oh, by the way, I did think of asking you to join my little scheme, but somehow I knew 007's loyalty was always to the mission, never to his friend. And of course, Scaramanga at the dinner table, that brilliant mm. scene at the dinner table, mm. where he's again mocking the fact that Bond, you know, I think he does mention, in fact, I think he might. Mm. I'm a notes here. He does. He mentions the Queen, you know. Yeah, says, yeah. You were, well done you from Her Majesty. Yeah. Mm. Even in that, who, who'd have thought the Queen's mentioning the man with the golden gun in one of the <laughs> scenes in the film? But she is. And it's, but then, but then it's, the, way, yeah. it's the way he follows up. And he, he says, when I kill, I kill on specific orders of my government. And those who I kill are, in fact, killers. And when he says that line again, oh, it gives me goosebumps. It's thinking, so good. Actually, <laughs> yes, here is. You Live well, Scaramanga. At a million dollars a contract, I can afford to, Mr. Bond. You work for Peanuts. A hearty well done from Her Majesty the Queen and a pittance of a pension. Apart from that, we are the same. To us, Mr. Bond, we are the best. There's a useful four-letter word, and you're full of it. When I kill, it's on the specific orders of my government. And those I kill are themselves killers. Oh, 
outcome comes to bond, you disappoint me. You get as much fulfillment out of killing as I do, so why don't you admit it? I admit killing you would be a pleasure. You should have done that when you first saw me. But then, of course, the English don't consider it sporting to kill in cold blood, do they? Don't count on that. He says it with such conviction. And I tell you, anyone who... I mean, look, Sir Roger may not be everyone's favourite choice, but in certain regards, I think he's very unfairly, you know, viewed upon. And especially, again, I've got a heart back to Pure Eyes Only. That scene with Locke in the car and he throws the pin, mm. it's the grittiest we've ever seen, Sir Roger. And I tell you, he, he's completely cold-hearted. But you, you can feel that passion and that blood yeah. boiling in his performance. Yeah. Yeah. And when he kicks that car, you know he means it. Yeah. Mm. The, the so, thing with Roger is, for me, it's it's less was so much more. You yeah. know, when he had yeah. when he had some actual... Uh, he, he could do so much with so little, actually. Yeah. You know, with... Mm in terms of he did more with those small character beats for the character to, to extol yeah. backstory, to tell the story of the character than so many others could. He yeah. is so unfairly judged as a James Bond, um, you know, because he's, he's remembered as an eyebrow, you know, like, and so unfairly yeah. when in fact he yeah. was all around brilliant. He was all mm -hmm. around yeah. brilliant. He manages to brush off emotion. Like, so if you think, of say the spy you love me okay you've made your point but yeah even though he brushes off that emotion you feel the emotion yeah, it, yeah. it's yeah. quite it's, it's quite a skill to do that to oh, actually yeah. as opposed to have a big you know big booming soundtrack and have yeah. camera shots of people in their eyes and telling them you have all the time in the world roger <laughs> can portray roger can portray yeah. the emotion by just saying all right you've made your point move on yeah. and you know that that's cut him mm. that's incredible it's, it's funny there's a there's a great you know few eyes only the opening title sequence where we visit tracy's grave yeah he visits that mm. scene yeah. there, there's a point where obviously the vicar comes along he introduces himself and it's where bond he looks over at the helicopter and if you watch that scene he literally looks for a split second at the grave and then looks back and in that split second you can see all that emotion in his eyes just little things like that. He was so oh. good at saying so much with so few words. Action, speak loud. Show, don't tell. And I need to watch that again now, that scene. My goodness me. I think I know the shot you mean, Kieran. It's absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Sean and Roger have, have, have died in the last few years, mm -hmm. which hit us all as well. But they were both, of course, both of them were knighted, weren't they? By Her Majesty. And amazingly, yeah. both of them were knighted at Holyrood, at Holyrood Palace, and the, the Scottish Bond connection. That's mm. <laughs> amazing. Welcome it? to Scotland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know people say this is a rumor, wasn't it? You know, Sean turned it down a lot. Well, that, apparently, I don't think that was the case. I think it was people didn't nominate him because he, he had this view about Scottish independence. But when he was finally asked, he was like, Yeah, of course. And he, he wore a kilt. He loved it. It meant everything to him. He was so proud there. The mm. pictures with his wife and. This is what the Queen means to even the actors who you'd think mm. it wouldn't mean much to. This is Susie Banner from The Spy Who Loved Me. This is for really 007. I just want to say, oh, James, I need you. I think I'm right in that all four Pierce Brosnan uh, films reference the Queen. So we've mentioned yeah. bits of Goldeneye, Her Majesty's Loyal Terrier. And of course, oh. when Trevelyan sets off the, the Goldeneye missile at the end, God save the Queen. Yes. Mm. It's underrated. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty underrated. Yeah. Yeah. It is underrated, yeah. Because even then he's like, I'm betraying my country and I want to ruin it all. And what did he destroy London practically? But 
I've still I've still got that duty in the back of my mind. He was a, a secret agent, wasn't he, for Her Majesty? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, then of I course- think the interesting thing, and it, it, it we, there was an earlier example which we discussed before, but Goldeneye really kind of sets up that England and the Queen and MI6, a kind and London are like interchangeable almost. They're synonymous with yep. each other. And right, so obviously right at the end of Goldeneye, you've got for England, James? No, for me. And that's the point where Jet Bond, yes, he's loyal to Queen and Country, but that's the point where he does really start to have a bit more self-interest. And then that carries on through the whole of the Brosnan sure. and the and the Craig films. So he's still loyal to the Queen, but he has, and this is very true to Fleming's books as well, he he has his own identity. Great point. Absolutely, yeah. Because mm. uh, he bookends those, doesn't he? The, the, it's the, the, for England, James is at the start in the pre-title sequence, and again at the end. You know, so they they bookend the whole thing mm. together. Yeah, I mean, no, it's 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 significant. I think to go on to a sort of slightly less serious scene, uh, David in Tomorrow Never Dies with mention yeah, of Queen. So you 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 probably know it's my favourite of the Brosnan movies. It's in my top five. Tomorrow I'm a Tomorrow Never Dies defender. All the way, and um, David, although... I'm completely on the same page as you with this one. Very oh, God. excellent, excellent. Really? That's so for good first, to hear. For the first time, someone else who ranks tomorrow in their top five. Oh, I commend you. Always, it will always Last. be there. And one of the things I love about Tomorrow Never Dies is that banter between Money Penny and M all the way through the movie. It's like they're treating Bond like the black sheep of the family. And, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're so um, in charge, really. And it's that scene. So the, the Queen comes up. I'm going to choose my words very, very carefully. <laughs> in this, because I do... <laughs> As an educator, I cannot <laughs> I cannot use certain words uh, in, in public. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, Tomorrow Never Dies is regularly shown on ITV on a Sunday afternoon, so I think we can go there. Yeah. So the scene in question, of course, is the one where they're racing through London to get Bond onto an aeroplane to go to Hamburg. And uh, M and Moneypenny are talking about pumping... Uh, uh, Paris Carver for information <laughs> and um, Bond what does he say uh, that uh, he didn't realise uh, yeah M I believe you once had a relationship with Carver's wife Paris Bond that was a long time ago M before she was married and then of course he glares at Samantha Bond's money penny I didn't realise it was public knowledge he says between <laughs> gritted teeth almost money penny replies queen and country James mm. so yeah. you know Bringing her name into disrepute. All of your past indiscretions are public knowledge, because, or at least office banter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because now, because the queen, ground. basically. Yeah. yeah. Because the queen. Because the queen. <laughs> I believe you once had a relationship with Carver's wife, Paris. That was a long time ago, Em. Before she was married. I didn't realise it was public knowledge. Queen and country, James. Your job is to find out whether Carver or someone in his organisation sent that ship off course and why. Use your relationship with Mrs Carver if necessary. I doubt if she'll remember me. Remind her. Then pump her for information. You'll just have to decide how much pumping is needed, James. If only that were true of you and I, Moneypenny. What a fabulous movie as well, just as a yeah. but, um, oh. I thought, you know, like, um, he's, he's, this is just a side, but he's a rude boy in that movie. 
brushes up on a little Danish, you know. Ooh, <laughs> no, no, money, money, penny tracks. Money, pennies, the wall. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't ask, yeah. don't tell. I mean, you go, what, yeah, really, girls. Is this how it's got? This is the this is the base level that we're at now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to change it for the world, John. No, no, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What we were cunning linguist. Yeah. Right, no, 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 no. This is a you got family, it right. You got it right. Family event. Kieran went there. I, I wasn't that brave. <laughs> um, I didn't know it would get ten times cruder in Dino the Day. Good heavens! <laughs> well, that's just thinking about the, the Queen seeing that. Like, is, the is that an orgasm? Yeah. Perhaps we can order you one on Amazon. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do genuinely believe, I know I said it earlier, like the probably the person who would be least shocked in the world is the Queen. Oh, absolutely. Let's face yeah. it, she's been there, done it. She what did she face down the Suez crisis? She's yeah. gone through all of you know, all of that stuff through the decades. Yeah. And I'm just like a few kind of PG rated innuendos <laughs> about yeah. Sex acts. Uh, we're, yeah. we're really not going she's, to face. She's the mother of God knows how many children. I mean, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, she's, she's been there, done it, worn the t-shirt, and also from a, from a social perspective, has noticed things in, in, in everyday life, and has wanted to make a difference. Abba Van yeah. is a very, very good example yeah. of something where she was, yeah, yeah, touched as a mother. You know, to this extraordinary crisis that uh, this terrible tragedy that happened, and then. All of a sudden, she had to go there, and went continued to go there through the course of her reign over the over the next uh, uh, fifty years or so. She'd been back on five and six occasions and had uh, um, promised that the, the area X, Y, and Z, and it had been delivered. You know, on the basis yeah. that she she couldn't accept that that parents were having to go through this, um, and that's very powerful. You know, that from a, again from a from a mother's perspective, not only from the position that she was in, but from a from an individual's point of view, from a mother's point of view. Um, so yeah, no, she she uh, she she. I was going to say she moves in mysterious ways. I think that's probably true. You know, yeah, I think yeah. that is the case. That people go, oh, she. I did hear somebody the other day saying she moves in mysterious ways, and then you hear that phrase when it's referred to in a sort of you know a, a, a sense of uh, a clerical sense more so than than anything else. And yet that's probably the case that behind the scenes, behind the pomp and circumstance and behind the, you know, the ladies and waiting, all the other bits and pieces, she's an individual going that we need to do something about that. And she goes off and does it. I think she's got the power to do it. You know? Yeah. I think that's one of the things that is, is greatly loved about her as well is the fact that her human qualities, her family qualities, her, mm. you know, yeah. she's a grandma, she's a, a mum, she's a great grandmother, you know, yeah. she's, sister you know it, it, it's just uh hugely i think i think that's one of the things that we can all relate to isn't it family yeah. connections Bond Bond in no time would, today. well yeah I, well i was going to ask would you if so w- what would happen would you ever have liked i know we we said that it was nice that she didn't actually appear in any of the bond movies but what if there was a scene where she was playing the role of m you know like 
Come on in, Mr. Bond. Sit down, please. (laughs) And and she she set out the mission herself. You know, like what? Honestly, the stakes of that movie would be so high if it was the Queen herself. Like, now we really, I'm deadly serious, Mr. Bond. We can't mess this up. You know, like (laughs) Rob, would that include would that include like World Is Not Enough? Where at the end, where she's watching the computer generated heat thing and (laughs) shooting. Uh, yes, yes. Oh no, she's in the whole thing. She's she's excellent. Yes, everyone is feeding it to her Majesty. Yeah, because you know, we know she got involved. Like is you were saying, lot? John, she gets involved. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Why ever not in this instance? <laughs> is there a line? Is there a line that you can? You know, I mean, George broke the fourth wall. Yes, now, that is. Can true, you yeah. get to that stage where you actually have the Queen <laughs> making an well, appearance or the monarch? You know. Yes. Well, let's let's oh, link that in. There is a bond Fine. link, of course, because the, the whole plot of Johnny English. Is that what you I was saying? just about to say? <laughs> yes, I was just about yes. to say the link to Johnny English. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where are the Purvis and Wade's yeah. masterpiece? Yeah. 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 It, it actually is. It actually yeah. is. Yeah. Well, of course, she, the, she fe- I mean, I say she. Uh, I think <laughs> train the Queen. When uh, and and of of course the uh, the 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 plot of the big bad John Malkovich Brilliant. is to um, replace the Queen mm. uh, as Pascal Sauvage, great name. John English is inadvertently uh, crowned king, uh, but then abdicates and gives it back to uh, Queen, queen Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I just wonder if Purvis and Wade. Oh, sorry, Matt. No, I was, I was, I, all I was going to say is <laughs> she does also feature in, I think, in John English, um, the second one, John English Reborn, when he mistakes that, like, that um, Chinese lady, you know, who's been a threat all along. <laughs> and he keeps mistaking her for people, um, like Julian Anson's mother. And then at the end, he's about to be knighted or, or whatever. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> he starts beating up the Queen. Reinstating his knighthood is a truly lovely gesture, and it'll mean the world to him. Her Majesty will be with him shortly.
maybe the idea was knocking about in Purvis and Wade's head. Genuinely. Mm, yeah. Yes. Where, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Where there's, where there's a villain who wants to take over from the Queen. Yeah. And in that moment, they decided we'll play this one as a comedy, kind of. <laughs> well, I, I know that she was she was very taken by the, by Jeanette Charles, who played her for many, many years as the Queen in various bits and pieces. She had said, and I think that, that Giles Brandreth had mentioned this, that they, they discussed her many appearances on screen as, or Jeanette Charles is many. She says, I was particularly happy with the naked gun. I do like that. Was, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. That was that one thing where, you know, as, as the character can look at it and go, oh, that's me, but it's not actually her. It is Jeanette Charles being the queen and then being fabulous in this extraordinary oh. comedy by the Zucker brothers and then having all this interaction with Leslie Nielsen, which was equally <laughs> another box, ticked on her list. You know, she had a list of things. And that was one of the things that she thought, I do like this guy. He's very funny. And now all of a sudden, you know, her character as the queen is, is portrayed in this picture. It's absolutely wonderful. I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, Her Royal Highness, Queen Elizabeth II. It's disgusting the way they splash this stuff all over the newspapers. What is journalism coming to? You're laying on top of the queen with her legs wrapped around you. And they call that news. That's one of the most outrageous portrayals. It is. Not, <laughs> I mean, it, it, well, what happens, uh, I should say. It's one of the most outrageous. Poss possibly overtaken by her appearance in Ali G in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I say now, as I say then, that if she had made an appearance in Dude, Where's My Car? It would have been a much better movie. <laughs> um, I still yeah, can't believe that, that, that the writers that, that didn't work on the basis that we really need some sort of monarch in this just to push it into that possible stratosphere of a movie that could go places. And of course, who cannot forget uh, Queen Elizabeth's performance in, well, supposed performance, in the small screen, the first ever episode of Mr Bean in the cinema line. Oh, yes! Oh, yes! Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Those again, tireless backroom boys. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> uh, if, I, if I may throw in a, a, a fact here as well, but uh, she was portrayed on that particular occasion by Tina Maskell. Um, who, oh, uh, is it John, who, your uh, knowledge is just a I don't who, know how you do this. Who then later doubled Judy Dench in Skyfall for all of oh, her. Oh, things get out! Oh, what? She was a sizzling. There's a fish-tailing thing going on here. It's all yeah. relevant. Just you know, being headbutted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was done in a in a, a very well, just a, it was an hour's work apparently, and and has, <laughs> has one of those things you see over and over. Again, you know that um, the 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 line in the cinema, and then 
the very deep bow and the oh, head yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah that's that. whenever i hear of the royal premiere for bonds and stuff i just always picture that <laughs> yeah. 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 i'd also like to say if i may that she's been at a, a great many premieres over the years but but many many significant films movies that have had massive social change but apart from anything else like for instance her her first attendance i believe was 1952 which was a maria lanza movie but the the remaining ones that she had in 62 West Side Story she then did three by Spielberg Close Encounters Empire of the Sun and Always which oh. were chosen as the royal films of those particular years of so 78, 87 and 90 respectively Titanic she was at the royal primary of that uh, Die Another Day we mentioned Casino Royale and then finally in 2013 with Mandela Long Walk to Freedom Long oh, right. Walk to Freedom wow. um, so you know the rest of the time had been taken up by uh, uh, other royals and uh, I was at Quantum of solace outside i was i wasn't in the theater i was outside with the throng and william and harry were there and of course they um it was um in connection with serving soldiers or so, soldiers that had served in afghanistan and one, one of the moments that i always remember and, and bob will tell you this is we, we were stood and we saw them and there was a guy who was in a wheelchair he was in uniform and he was in a wheelchair and very clearly had said to somebody i'd love a photograph with you guys uh, both of them and uh, was giving it to a friend to say you know would you and uh, ushering the two royals to come down and say would you come down next to me and harry reached and picked him up took him out of his out of his wheelchair and they both held on to him both sides while they took a, a photograph with him in the middle of these two roles which I thought was a, a fabulous moment I imagine that they 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 got that from their grandmother as well that moment of that being with other folk you know and 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 not having that moment where you are here and they are here there's none of that there's a level playing field when you get to certainly servicemen and various stuff of that nature and they mm -hmm. echoed that beautifully i thought so that was uh, that was a very very poignant moment i enjoyed that enormously watching that take place there was a massive round of applause as well that went oh. and they put him back into his seat and put his put his cap on because that had fallen off during the photograph and everything so he was mm -hmm. um, he was absolutely thrilled by all of that there's that sort of mm -hmm. link i've just thought of this there's a bit of fat going around hasn't there since the queen died that they think a third of the people in this country have met her I've seen her at some point, which is absolutely okay. astonishing. And there's also that sort of fact that goes around that is it, I don't know whether it's a third, but it's like over a billion people have seen a Bond film. And, yeah. and they're both so wide-reaching, aren't they? You could even link it further. You could say the Queen must have visited more countries than anyone else and certainly anyone else her age. Who else has been to all these countries? Particularly Africa, I know she's visited more than any other monarch. She will have seen all these people, and Bond is the same, isn't it? Like One of the reasons we love the Bond films is he puts a sort of insight into all these different locations that we haven't been to or we'd love to go to, and they open our eyes to the world. They are like our heroes in different, in different ways, and they're... There are representatives when they do things like that. Those shows as well. The Crown is a is a hugely important show to people all around the world who've never really understood. Admittedly, it's a drama, and, and again, you yeah, try yeah. and convince people that it's not a drama, that it is a documentary. It's very confusing, particularly the last season. However, it's a very interesting look at what happens in between those moments when the press are around and the possibility of what had happened or could have happened or might have happened in this type of situation which has been dramatised. It's brought many of those characters to life for the first time where the people, the, the, the public may not have been familiar with this particular character, this particular character and all of a sudden as you said yourself, Dalton now being yeah. involved in, in, in the new season is a, <laughs> first it's a wonderful piece of casting when you think about who he's playing you think, oh okay, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's very interesting and that relationship that he had with 
with uh, with Princess Margaret and how they had to make a, a massive decision about their lives and and how to go forward, you know, based on on monarchy, etc. So it's a very interesting period that we're living in. But there's all of these options that are available. And, and the Crown, if you haven't seen it, folks, if anybody listening hasn't seen it, I do urge you to do so. It's very very good. I think because almost like I don't want this to sound harsh, but we we almost kind of took the Queen for granted in the sense that because she was just there. And I'm thinking of all those times in Money Penny's office, like in The Spy You Love Me, just before the bright yellow ski suit. We have um, the painting of the uh, the Queen behind Money Penny, and because she was just there, I think now that she's not here, we will notice things more yeah. in the Bond series. Yeah. And whenever we're rereading the novels and whenever we're reading the behind the scenes stuff, we will notice those things a lot more readily than before. And it's almost like that. I love a Venn diagram, the shades of grey and the kind of overlaps between things. And we've got Bond and we've got the Queen and the wider royal family. And then there's those all those significant overlaps. And just as we've been talking, I've been trying to think of all those kind of times where the two have intersected. Like uh, mm. the fact that, you know, James Bond in Doctor No and Casino Royale wears shirts by Turnbull and Asser, which is where Prince Charles, now King Charles, gets his shirts from, you know, in Mayfair in London. The fact that, you know, the Queen Mother went for dinner at Noel Coward's house, where Ian Fleming would often go for dinner with his wife. And there are all these kind of behind-the-scenes crossover moments as well, as well as everything on screen that I think we're just going to be so much more hyper-conscious of. Hello there. This is Thomas Wheatley, or I should say Saunders, Section B, Vienna. Now, you're listening to Really 007. I'm under the impression you're the best, so do listen. Obviously, there's the big Union Jack parachute in The Spy Love Me, and that sort of goes back to that. It was referencing that, really, wasn't it? The London Olympics, the oh, yeah. parachute jump. We had the all... iceberg at the start oh, of the yeah. kill. Yes, yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, cool. It's just I love all those John Barry and David Arnold does yeah. them brilliantly. Those sort yes. of patriotic kind of brass yeah. pieces. Yeah. <laughs> yes. which, um, I know yeah. John will be able to explain this a lot more competently than I am, but one of my favourite bits in any Bond score is in Die Another Day when he <laughs> Jinx has just jumped off, you know, that terrible shot oh, of no. Jinx oh. falling backwards. But then Bond stands and really sincerely stands looking over and it plays this really like almost royal fanfare. <laughs> Like on the soundtrack, all those little brass bits that kind of go back, I think, mostly to you only twice, which always have a royal connotation. And it even extends to M's theme in Skyfall and Spectre. All of that music always sounds quite royal. It's all about pageantry and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Her Majesty's reference, obviously, we said Moonraker at the end in the silly one. I didn't realize in Casino Reale on the train. Vespa says Queen and Country. I, I, I've completely forgotten that. I only watched it at the cinema the other week, so it's pretty. Also, also of course, on in Living Daylights when when Q's issued him with yeah yeah yeah. What do I do to blow up the room? Whistle oh wow. yeah, yeah 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 of course. Oh. Always there, you know, little bits and pieces. It's always there. It's it's a constant right the way through. Now pay attention, 007. Kieran Finder. Surprise me. Now, you arm it by pressing that button there, like that, see? Right, now wear that. 
Right. Now, whistle the first bars of Rubitania. Stun gas. Effective range, oh, about five feet. Disorientates any normal person for about, oh, 30 seconds. Don't find too many normal people in this business, Q. What do I do to blow up the room? Whistle, God save the Queen? Well, it so happens, 007, that we've packed the finder with a highly concentrated plastic explosive, sufficient to remove the door of any safe. It's magnetic. The actuating signal is personalized. What's my code? Oh, most appropriate. A wolf whistle. Do you think, like, the, the producers know that they, they're sort of playing to the international audience and they need to get that little bit of, not necessarily the regal thing, but something very well, British in it? I, I think that's that's interesting in cinema, full stop. How many times has mm. the caption said, London, and then all of a sudden you've heard, you know, you've heard yeah, that yeah, yeah. regal thing going yeah. on in the background. Mm. You've had the, the Houses of Parliament or you've had Tower Bridge or something to associate you with the caption. And then yeah. you need the musical back up to go yeah. oh we're in london you know you can't read the thing of london it looks like you know missouri or somewhere but else it's very mm. very clearly london and, and on the strength Fair of that point. that's where that comes from going back to what i said earlier about england and mi6 they're being they're almost like metonyms of each other and i think you could legitimately yeah. argue that england whenever you hear england in a bond movie i think you could legitimately go he's really talking about the queen and vice versa and the, i know we talked about thunderball where he's saying for for king and country, yeah. but he does also say the scene before that. You know the things I do for England. Yes, I mean, yes. You know, I I I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable here, but <laughs> kind of like in Tomorrow Never Dies, the it, amount of it, times that James Bond has sex indirectly on orders of the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> that's quite a, yeah. it's quite a lot of bed notches, <laughs> but notches on his bedpost. You know, he's chalked up in the name of Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, just sort of going on a bit, a bit from what you were saying there, David, and the overlap between sort of the Queen and country sort of almost meaning the same thing. Mm. I think it's something that, you know, when you watch like an American spy thriller or something like that, and they're, you know, it's America they're protecting. And obviously they're very patriotic in a way that, you know, perhaps yeah. more than we are. But they don't have that, That you know, they might have a president, but a president's only there maximum of eight years. And it's not one indi- one individual person, whereas... You know, for how many decades we've had spy thrills, especially James Bond films, where it's queen and country that they're, you know, serving, that they're protecting. And, Absolutely. you know, in some ways they would be, they would love to have such a figurehead that, that is so synonymous with the country, you know, just, hmm. just to, just to show, just to symbolize what, what it is that you're protecting, what it is that you're serving. That's absolutely right, Matt. I, could, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I really think that, um, it's the one thing that they have real issue with uh, um, understanding Americans is the fact that they understand celebrity. Celebrity comes with a price and it gets to you to here. But they don't understand monarchy because on the basis of the royal family, they haven't really had to do anything to get the way they are. You know, there's none of that that continual, you know, we strive to get to a better place. We have to do better than before, et cetera, et cetera. And then Not we the American work really hard and we get to this point mm. here. They are born at this point here because of the line of succession. And they don't really understand that. So they replace it with people like the president, you know, with, mm. with uh, regardless of, of whether it's uh, Republican or Democrat. It doesn't make the blindest bit of difference. They take celebrity and, and it's uh, pop stars and film stars and bits and they put them on a pedestal. 
And then, you know, the difference, of course, with the, with the, with the UK media, in fact, the first thing we want to do is to try and knock them off. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. America, they try and build them up, you know, so yeah. that, that's a very interesting thing. And, and only very recently have, have, the, have the royal family, and I say recently, certainly over the last 20 years, have the royal family had to deal with that type of, of, uh, of a situation as far as being put on a, situ- on, a, on a pedestal and then being knocked off by their own press and their own yeah. public. Mm. A very interesting situation to, to to relate the two points together, but you're mm. quite right. As Math was talking, I kept thinking of that scene in Unforgiven with oh, Richard Harris's character, who doesn't fare well when he tells a bunch <laughs> of American people, and this is no no offense to any American listeners at all, of course. But he um he's his character's called English Bob. And he says, <laughs> so they learn apart about the I think they just it's been a while since I've seen it, but I think they're they're talking about a recent assassination of a president. And they say, well, sirs, again, not wishing to give offence, it might be a good idea if the country were to choose a queen or even a king. And of course, they take massive offence at this. Why wouldn't you? Rather than the president, one isn't as quick to take a shot at a king or a queen. The majesty of royalty, you see. I do, I, I do wonder <laughs> if, if quite a lot of Americans think we're all kind of of the English Bob mindset. But that <laughs> speaks to that kind of that feeling of continuity we have with a royal family compared mm. with the kind of, um, you know, the short-termism <laughs> of, of, of presidents and things. Mm. Very true. And, I, and even when somebody did decide that they were going to take a pop, physically take a, take a weapon and shoot, attempt to shoot the queen, yeah. they did it with blanks, you know, on the, yeah. on the purpose of the exercise. And not only that, firstly, uh, and again, you know, she's she's out in public, right, if the... Uh, um, changing of the colour and doing, she was riding Burmese, which of course was the horse that was presented to her by the Canadian Mounties. And she's riding side saddle and these shots go off and behind her is the Duke of Edinburgh, the Prince of Wales, uh, the Duke of Norfolk and a whole bunch of other folk. And if you look at the footage, you see the pe- all of them desperately trying to grab hold of their mounts and say, no, 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 wait, wait, we're going to go this way. And the Queen side saddle quite happily grabs hold of the horse and they carry on, you know, regardless of the whole situation. So that, that whole moment where you think, you know, maybe that is a situation, maybe, you know, there's, there's been more attempts on the, on the, uh, um, on a, on a president than there have been on, mm. on, a, on a, on a, on a monarch. I say on the one occasion when it did happen over here, certainly to, to my knowledge, it was, it was with blanks and was intentionally just to, just to scare the whole situation. And the example you just given there, John, I think is, you know, we, we would all like to think we'd be that stoic in that kind of situation. And I think that's part of the wish fulfillment of Bond as well, regardless of whatever hell is being unleashed around him. He has that stoicism. And Absolutely. I think we associate that with the Queen. Of course, that can go too far. And, you know, none of us are emotionally undemonstrative. Uh, we've all we've we, we all we've all we talked this evening about, you know, how how uh, grief stricken we all felt and you know we're not we're not mm. we're not those people who aren't in touch with their emotions uh, <laughs> but at the same time there is that stoicism which i think is probably in the english character which um can be healthy or unhealthy mm. um in in extremes and i think that's what we associate with the queen and that's also what we associate with james bond slightly tenuous but in terms of that stoicism if there was ever any james bond music that would i would associate with the queen it would be the honor majesty's march oh so yeah yeah because the 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 snare the this snare thing is very much a march and could be something that you could have quite easily heard 
at any kind of royal procession, you know, um, in any way. And it's so apt that that music is in the saddest Bond film. But the march is, it's almost a bit stiff upper lip. It's almost that Mm. kind of British continuation, which is really like what we're encouraged to do. All right, we Mm. stopped. We stopped for a day. We've had a period of national mourning. And to be fair, the country completely stopped and rightly so on Monday. The rhetoric changes now. We quickly we quickly move on to it's King Charles, and rightly so to an extent. But the papers will not necessarily home in much about the Queen anymore. We will move on. And it is that kind of, rightly or wrongly, it's that British stoicism. We're marching on, we're carrying on. And I just think that that music, that Majesty's March which tragically is not on the vinyl, um, is um, just so synonymous for me with this period. I, I, I listen to that music in memory of the Queen, I've got to be honest. Oh, and you should mention that because when you were saying that, the scene that resonated with me is in that film when he resigns. That very, It's very much like the main theme, but it's a lot slower. It's when he walks out of M's office and then he goes into his own room and again, ironically, that track is not on the soundtrack, um, not featured anyway. It's it's synonymous with you know it's almost it's directly before he raises his toast to the Queen, and it's incredibly regal, uh, incredibly patriotic, and um, incredibly relevant as well to today and the times in which we're living. Also, on on in connection with that, John Barry, of course, was the king of the march, particularly as, as far as the Bond films are concerned. From an earlier picture, he did The Lion in Winter with uh, Peter O'Toole and Catherine Hepburn. And there's a, a fabulous uh, track called Shinon, Eleanor's Arrival, which is very choral, lots of strings and horns, and is really his way of taking hold of, of something, an event like the coronation. If you listen back to, uh, and it's available, if you haven't seen it, look at the coronation back there on, on YouTube. Some of the music that was there from 1953 has transported itself through the 40s, the 50s, the you know, right the way through to the to the Bond pictures, the 60s and the 70s. And that particular track of the uh, and uh, most of that score is very majestic. If there's a, if that's the word I'm looking for, and it probably is on the circumstances, it's that type of importance to it. And then consequently, later on through his career, he's developed that as well. And I think it all stems from that sort of that choral and and regal type uh, type music that that he's been associated with. So it doesn't matter what genre or what movie or what television thing. There's always something that's going to bring us back to uh, to that it's a it's a never-ending circle the funeral of her majesty was obviously a very emotional day on monday mm. we've just had the loss of our great monarch and we've just lost james bond in a way i know i know we sort of dwelt on it earlier it sort of gets back to that feeling that we, we never thought they could die no, but, when you said that tom all but, i could yeah. think of was you know in in team america you know <laughs> i'm completely lost <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah. Feeling, yeah. You're right. You're right. We've got ne- ne- to have neither of those things it alive is. at present is astonishingly mm. awful. We're in that we're in that interim <laughs> period, aren't we? Where of course there'll be another Bond, and of course King Charles the Third is just starting, but we're not quite ready to move on. We're not quite ready to accept it necessarily. I know we can't we can't really move on with Bond until 
somebody else's cast, I suppose. Funny, strange feeling where we're we're losing a bit of identity. Just, I think we'll get it back. We'll be just, just. Mm. It's, it's a difficult time, isn't it, for the country? Really, there's that moment as well where there's people who who are grieving for the loss of the monarch. There's people who are just confused by the whole situation, and the, the, those individuals who go, you know, nobody else in the world does this. They don't, you know, they don't do what we do. They don't do that pageantry, and that that's the thing. There's a there's a bunch of that going on as well, and there's this spectacle that it's not just a funeral. It's it's yeah. a, a ten days of events that happen leading up to the funeral itself from people watching around the world. This is a, a huge event on many many levels. It's not just mm. the loss of a monarch, but it's all of the events leading up to it as well. It's a very extraordinary period that Absolutely. hopefully we'll, we'll we'll not see for for some time. I said before that all four of. Pierce Brosnan's films have some kind of reference to the Queen, you know, or devotion to Queen and country. I didn't mention The World Is Not Enough. I don't think there's any explicit references. I might be wrong, but this might seem a bit weird, but the funeral of um, Sir Robert King in the Highlands yeah, and the, the that, that bagpipe. And the same tune. I know, I get it. sounds tenuous. Yeah, yeah. It? I think Tom Mason, Tom Mason yeah, might have done a, 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 a video. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah, it is, yeah. And I know that, you know, <laughs> it might be being a bit flippant Sorry. because that isn't, that's not a massively emotional moment in the film because it's at the start of a character we don't really know. But that lone bagpipe, of course, was for mm. me the most emotional moment of the funeral. It really was. Oh, oh yeah, it was yeah. just. Mm. And yeah. it was, at, it was cut, the cut was of that guy on his own. And he did it at, not only at the, the Abbey, but when they went back to. Um, Windsor, goodness me! Oh, that was, very was a powerful, shot yeah. of the, the 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 lone piper, and then it cut to the body lowering into oh, the crypt, and it was just mm. this is it. This is the last time we'll ever see anything to do with the Queen, and that mm. that really got me. I, I know, I know, it wasn't meant to be a massive emotional moment in the world is not enough, but it's just, <laughs> it's just a, another tasteless limb. Yeah, and also it was it. called King, but yeah. King, yeah, well, yeah. I, I I was going to yeah. say I haven't done my detailed kind of study of world is not enough yet but i know oh. i'm gonna have a field day when i get oh, to it gosh. because it involves killing a king and replacing yeah. it with a female head of the organization so yeah. there's there's definitely a kind of and don't whole, don't, don't forget it, the uh the, the the tune when he goes underwater in the boat yeah, yeah, yeah. there is that as well there is that as well yeah exactly. yeah and again, there's also the skyfall. If you think about it, yeah. and this is from uh, this is from another post elsewhere. But a matriarchal figure travels to a Scottish estate, as a state, and ultimately passes away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it all ends in skyfall. Yeah. Peace, isn't it? Yeah. Everything falls apart at skyfall. Well, she did spend her final days at the place she loved most. You know, to, to sort of get that peace mm. from the London, peace mm. from the palace, and just mm. rest where she felt close to nature and. In fact, that's quite good in the mm. films, the Stephen Frears film, The Queen, where when she's thinking about everything to do with Diana and how to react to it, there's sort of metaphor with the deer, hunting the deer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she just, I think it's sort of a metaphor, isn't it, for realising how innocent Diana was in, in all this mm. and that she needs to show more compassion. But, yeah. I'll be honest, This is, I think this is the way the Queen would want us to, to round off proceedings um, by keeping the British end up. We're talking about union flags or... Union Jacks, as the common misconception goes. Um, <laughs> how could we forget the hot air balloon from Octopus? Yes! Yeah. Oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I, I, simply, I simply had to go there. I had to be that guy. Maybe uh, later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go on, Q. Yeah. But the Octopus women, they love it. 
They love the, the hot water. <laughs> I think it's the hot water bottle. <laughs> hot water bottle, yeah. I trust she doesn't have a hot water this. bottle. I, I trust you can buy this thing, Kyo. Yeah, runs by hot water. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put the kettle on, Kyo. Put the kettle on. We'll have one. Yeah, I mean, it's oh. been it's been a very very odd ten days. You know, I mean, mm. uh, this this last year, I don't think I've cried as much as an adult. Yeah. Uh, as I have over the last uh, year, it's been a very peculiar period. Uh, I saw No Time to Die six times, and it got me every single time. I knew it was coming, and it got me every single time after the first viewing. Same time every time, and then the, and then the Queen does it. And it's not only that, but it's it's reactionary, you know. So you're seeing other people's reactions. You're seeing I see my father's reaction and all this sort of stuff. So it's it's very powerful. But it is something that many of us will have obviously never have seen before, but have to prepare ourselves for again in future. Mm. Um, and uh, wow. it's, the way that, that it's the way that many of those individuals in the past will have done exactly the same thing. They saw the king die, the queen uh, ascended to the throne, and now she's gone, and now the king takes over. You know, so it's it's something that we are going to have to have to look at. And then as far as the line of succession is concerned, it means that William would be king next, and then his daughter. Am I right in saying that? That's that's no, right. that's no, the, no, the George, line of succession has moved. Am I right in saying that? It has, but George is George is the eldest, so it would George be him. is the eldest. Oh, I see. And then Charlotte, and then Charlotte, Louis, 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 yeah, Louis, Louis. 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 God bless him. The ironic thing is, in all of our lifetimes now, we will probably never see another female monarch. No, 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 unless there's some kind of massive change to the constitution or something. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. but it's crazy to think we've seen a female monarch all of our lives, and Mm. now we may never see one again. It's it's a surreal situation in which to find ourselves. And a female M was a big thing as well, wasn't it? Absolutely. At the time, I suppose, you know, that 95, I suppose at the time, then it was, it, it made sense because the head of MI6 was a woman. You know, Stella yeah. Remington was the individual concerned and therefore having Judy play that particular character made perfect sense, absolutely. If you think about it, those films became based around Judy more and more as those films progressed because absolutely, you yeah. towards the end, quite right. Yeah, yeah. If you look at M back in Doctor No from Wish With Love, his scene was basically an office scene and that was it. And obviously, as the films progressed, you got M undertaking more and more, whether it be Living Daylights in the plane or mm. Ernest Hemingway's residence, up until Skyfall, where M is the central character. She is effectively the lead bong girl of that film. Yeah, yeah, mm. correct. Yeah, I think so, for me, my final thoughts on this, and I don't know how we can get away with get away from the last scene of No Time to Die, thinking about not just the Queen's death, but as Bond fans, any death that we experience Mm. of people we know or people even, you know, we know of. And there's that line obviously taken from Jack London, the function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not Mm. waste my days in trying to prolong them. I shall use my time, which is, of course, from Fleming in the obituary in You Only Live Twice. Everything I was reading about the Queen, as I said earlier, I've never been a massive monarchist. I'm not any kind of expert on royal history or anything Mm. like that. But everything I kept coming back to as I was doing some research for what I was writing, the impression I formed was that the Queen could have almost taken that as her motto or personal credo. Because although she was obviously taken care of, you know, by as the 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 monarch would be she was taken care of health wise she had all the best physicians and everything like that there are a lot of pictures of the queen living it up <laughs> you know when i was searching yeah. on google images the queen and 
alcoholic drink, insert name of alcoholic drink here, you could pretty much find a picture of all of them. And I'm not advocating heavy drinking on on the scale of James Bond here because, you know, very unhealthy. And Ian Fleming did die far too prematurely as a result of some of his questionable lifestyle choices. However, I did find a source that said up until just before a year before she died, the Queen's nighttime routine, and she was a stickler for nighttime routine, and that's one of the reasons she lived so long, is because she was she was good at sleep. And the key to sleep is a lifetime insomniac. I've read every book I think there is to know on sleep. You know, it's the key to sleep is to establish a routine. And part of her routine was every night, which is, you know, some people say good, some people not say not so good, was to have a dry martini before bed. So another connection with James Bond. (laughs) I'm not going to have, I mean, it's probably a small martini, not a kind of, certainly not six of them, uh, (laughs) like James James Bond. We're not advocating that. But to me, that's kind of the overwhelming impression I had of the Queen, not necessarily, you know, symbolised by the martini perhaps but that she she did live her life not just to prolong her years but she mm. she obviously did it out of a sense of duty but also mm. yeah. she lived a life on the back of that i will say my final words i think david has been spot on there the thing about the queen and the thing about bond is that they were totally devoted to their duty they were unwavering in their sentiments towards life and their occupations i think that's inspirational um, and they both were unfaltering until the day that they died. Um, so if I had a glass right now, I would raise it to both of them. Um, because honestly, to, to her, it's been a pleasure to serve her. And to James Bond, it has been a pleasure to witness his exploits over the last 60 years. So long may he continue. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, Kieran. Yeah, I, I just feel like, what's the point in me even opening my mouth after that? <laughs> I just want to share my own personal view of the Queen is um, very quickly. The, the, the big, the most significant thing for me is, you many know, I'm I'm a I'm a committed Christian. I spend a few days working for my church each day uh, throughout the week. The other time I, I run a charity about regarding mental health and uh, specifically, specifically in children. What I love about the Queen is her strong convictions. As the world has become more secularised, and that is not a criticism of the world, everyone is free for their choice. The Queen doubled down, especially on Christmas Day, regarding her faith and how she believed that a life that she lived was because of her faith. And what I absolutely love about that was the conviction that she lived with that, regardless if your faith is in Christianity, regardless if your faith is elsewhere. The fact is, is of her conviction of her Christian faith, which is the same as mine, but whatever your faith's in. And just to echo regarding Kieran said, it is... That is the same with James Bond. If you look at, you know, I watched Skyfall the other night and the whole thing about as the world is changing around Bond, he doubles down on his convictions and what he knows. And and I absolutely love that. I think for my own life, I want to live it like the Queen. I want to live to the convictions that and the faith that I have because that's what brings you your purpose in life. It's what doesn't, you know, you don't meander when you live by, you know who you are and why you're here. And I think that the Queen did that phenomenally. And I just want to just say, God bless you, mum, because she was a fantastic woman. 
This is this is brilliant, guys. My hand went up because I was reaching to John to try and touch him. Yeah. <laughs> I really wasn't trying to outdo you or anything there. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, seriously, two oh, yeah. of the best. Rob, like, Jerry's final thoughts. Like Dad, when <laughs> Mum and Dad were watching Lord of the Rings, and it was when the ring was being passed from Frodo to somebody, someone saw Dad like this reaching out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's gonna be rapid con. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh my It's word. also the first time that me and Harry went to see Puss in Boots in 3D, and I was doing all this. That's the first time I've seen a 3D movie in the cinema. And I was doing this. I, I felt this hand on my side going, "Stop that!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just so enthralled by this excitement. Dear, oh, <laughs> that, that's three times I've felt the tear ducts go yeah. in this podcast. Oh, me. It's very difficult to follow what what Kieran and John have said because both, been, you know, and David, it, like, it, it, she has been such a significant sort of part of the world that we live in and our our lives. Not necessarily, you know, directly, but just she's formed the. I don't know. She she's just been part of everything that we. I don't know. We know, and so I don't know. Just got a little bit sad thinking. Imagine if you know she's gone now. And obviously things will change and King Charles, don't know what that's going to be like. If Bond were ever to be taken away, and this is almost the closest it's been to Bond being taken yeah. away, although we've had that James Bond rule turn, how would I feel? I would be, it would be, it would be horrendous. I, you know, I don't think that will happen. I, I think they'll always, even if there's a huge gap or something, there will always be the intention to bring him back. I think, I hope, but it just shows what significant parts they They've both in different ways, but also in some very similar ways had as, as mainstays, you know, in my life. And, you know, it's been great to talk about the different connections and the different ways in which the two things have in, interacted with each other. But it's been also wonderful to, to hear you guys and, you know, with, with your tributes and your own personal thoughts about the Queen. And yeah, if it were possible, she, I've perhaps got even more respect and love for her than I, than I did before. Mm. So thank you guys. It's been amazing because obviously the idea of doing this episode was quite a curious one and brought on by her death sadly but it's in her death that we've been forced to kind of consider this thing and like David mentioned earlier it'll be a case of looking back now and noticing things that you didn't notice before without wanting to sound bleak you could suggest that both the future of James Bond and the future of the monarchy is quite uncertain from this point which is a shame because like we've all got in common both are a huge part of our lives in our upbringing up to this point where we're, you know, where we're adults now. For those to be uncertain makes you wonder about all the years ahead, you know, in terms of what will the monarchy look like for me growing up and for my children growing up? Will Bond be there for my children and things like that? That's like the the bleak uh, Mm. outlook. But at the same time, for my children, and I'll always have that Blu-ray package of Bond. And within that, the Queen is in there. The Queen is locked into Bond history and they are of the same world, of the same fabric. She was there for the entire journey. I think it's incredible how those two are interrelated completely. And like I said before, even without her being in any of the films, her presence is in all of them. Bond represents her and stands for the same thing she stands for. It's amazing. Also, like Math said, you know, it can't be done in any other nation, really. But we, we can create a set of spy, action, adventure, thriller films, a huge franchise that is linked to a queen. It's just so unbelievably unique. And another reason why this franchise is so, you know, it's the longevity of it. It's so powerful and precious. 
I was a little bit bleak before, but, you know, there's plenty of reasons to be excited, you know, and there are things that could really kick on for both the monarchy and for Bond from this point. But the way that the Queen is wrapped up in the franchise at the moment is wonderful. And it's there forever as something that we can always revisit and remember her through. I can't get near the eloquence of what everyone has said before me here and the points that have been made. Totally agree with everything that's been absolutely said. But I, I think that the Queen herself is something I think that is what makes James Bond as a character unique because he's not, he is, what other action hero can you think about anywhere? What other hero in any, in all cinema that has like a devotional calling to somebody that is higher than him in his sense of duty? I can't think of anybody really, you know, like, and I don't mean like, you know, people trying to please their police chiefs or whatever, you know, like I'm not talking about like John McClane in in the the skyscrapers and airports and whatever. I'm I'm really thinking of like, this is what separates James Bond from everything else. He's got an innate sense of overriding duty to his country and his country is embodied by the Queen. Mm. Nearly cried so many times tonight, it's got (laughs) out of hand. (laughs) But what, what I didn't know before this was what, before this conversation and also the, before the events of the last 10 days is what the queen meant to me i had no real handle on it i had no thought on it no process to attach it to and what i realized was when things were going bad i didn't want it to end i didn't want her to pass away i didn't want that to happen and then i confronted myself why don't you want that to happen and it was because that fun- that person was fundamentally good i thought she was a good thing for this country good thing for the people here and yeah it's just sadness. Guys, I think this has been an amazing exercise. I think cathartic. it's taken... Yeah, it is. It has been cathartic. I know we've we individually spoken to our friends and family about this non-stop, but there's not really been time to sort of sit back, has there? It's, it's been an ongoing thing. Every day there's been something else. Just to sit back a few days after the funeral and just gather our thoughts. Yes, we've linked it to Bond, but they are linked intrinsically and they, they always will be. And if I could just share, it may sound a bit pithy, but... The Queen is dead. Long live the King. James Bond is dead. James Bond will return. Very hard to know what to say, but I thought we should gather and remember. And I I thought this was appropriate. The function of man is to live not to exist. I shall not waste my days trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. To James. 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 We will succeed, and that success will belong to every one of us. We should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.